And good morning. It is a Friday edition of GCR. I am Glenn Clark. Griffin is here. And if it's a Friday, that means the Chief Grand Poobah here at Pressbox. Stan the Fan Charles is back in studio with us. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you, Glenn. Good to see you, Griffin. Obviously, quite different feel than when we were in here last Friday. Very different feel. It's a lot uh, of humble pie. Yeah, a lot of humble pie. So. Very much so. By the way, I went to Chipotle last night in okay. Pikesville, and here comes a kid wearing a Concordia T-shirt. Oh, does he know the legend that is? Does he know? And he was aware of the. the he was star, aware of Miles Goodman. He was aware of Miles Goodman, star yeah. of the show. Uh, yes, yeah, so I started talking to him, and I didn't have my hearing aids in, which is a great admission to make. Couldn't hear a word he said, but his <laughs> his father was. He goes, "Are you Stan? Are you with Press Box?" Well, how about that? And he said, "I saw the interview, and I know. I guess that was the interview. Did we do with uh, Joe, with Coach with, Joe? Yeah. Did we do a Zoom? We did a Zoom. Yes, with you did him. do a Zoom. Yeah. yeah, you and Gary did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, they've got a game coming up Saturday. Yeah, they do a big one uh, against St. Mary's tomorrow. Uh, be a rematch of the B Conference Championship. Concordia looking for revenge. What time is that game starting? That'll be at noon on the Concordia Prep YouTube channel. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That'll be noon at, Co- at Concordia Prep. At Concordia Prep, yes. I might be able to make that. Look at okay. that. All right. How much are, how much are tickets now. to? Oh, man. I, but you know a like guy. 50, yeah, got, yeah, 50 yeah, bucks? You, you know, you should be able to. I mean. I don't think it's that that much. I'll call Steve Nichols at uh, Sports Tickets <laughs> Unlimited. He Maybe can he can get, get me I a think deal. he's in London right now. <laughs> Stan, I is think, he really? I'm, yeah, that's right. I, he is. I'm pretty sure that's what they do now yeah. is they just take. I don't even think it's just for the Ravens. I think they take like everybody's fan base to London now. That's great. That's great. We, uh, we got a lot to do on the program today. Yeah. Coming up in a few minutes, uh, John Smoltz will join us, the Hall of Famer. He, of course, was on the call for the Orioles Division Not Series. the long. John Smoltz. The John Smoltz is going to join us. Uh, also, later on this hour, Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer. Not, th- not the, the Bo, Bo Smolka. Smolka. We managed to get him. It was a heck of a pull. And uh, before the day is out, he said he wasn't really sure he wanted to talk to Stan, but uh, Noah Eagle from NBC will join us to uh, preview Maryland, Illinois. The Noah the Eagle? The Noah Eagle. The son of Ian Eagle, of course, who's yeah. uh, now the uh, lead play-by-play voice for uh, NBC's Big Ten coverage. He'll join us a little bit later on as well. Uh, if you have not figured out your plans yet for Sunday morning, I don't know what you're waiting for. The place to be is Guilford Hall Brewery. Ravens fans, are you ready for the biggest game day party in Baltimore? Join us at Guilford Hall Brewery Sunday, October 15th for the official London Game Watch Party. Getting started early with live music, bottomless mimosas, unlimited Guilford you got beer. You me excited there, bottomless. Oh, well, not that yeah. type of bottomless, okay. Stan. I, don't, I didn't think that was the type think. of place. They're doing a block party, so I'm yeah. pretty sure there's still Families, decency laws. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, uh, Dunkin' Coffee, signature cocktails. Yeah, Dunkin' flavored signature cocktails games a kid zone definitely not bottomless appearances from special guests including ravens legend jimmy smith the ravens cheerleaders the marching ravens band and poe doors open at 8 a.m so rally your flock we'll see you at guilford hall this event is free to the public with all you can drink wristbands available for purchase visit guilfordhall.com for more information stan you and i are going to do a bit of a deeper dive on the orioles later on in the show yeah Right now, I just want to talk about the fact that it is, of course, official. The three teams that had seismically better records than everybody else in baseball are all out. They, and the fourth team that had the best yes, record. Yes, the Rays, yeah, too. The but Rays. They, didn't, they yeah, weren't victims, obviously, they of the wild card. Yeah. 
The three teams with the best records in all of baseball combined to win one playoff game. Yep. As officially the Braves were eliminated last night by the Phillies, setting up a Philadelphia-Arizona NLCS, which gets underway on Monday. Of course, it'll be a Texas-Houston ALCS getting underway on Sunday. I, for the most part, avoided, although it's ironic that Smoltz is on with this because I think that he offered a really reasonable idea, very sound for how you could tinker with this without completely blowing it up. Right. I have avoided it as much as I can because, to me, it's excuse-making. It's, it's oh, you know, the only reason why you lost is because you had to wait around for all those days. No, you lost because you went out and you got your butts kicked. You, you lost because... But, but baseball and basketball for the, are sports that are played while basketball isn't every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, teams get a, a rhythm going. Baseball is that, that rhythm of playing every day is part of it. You know. So what do you make of how much what we saw in these playoffs is because, and by the way, it's now five of the eight teams that have gotten the bye right. in the last two years since this started yep. have all lost their division series. So what do you now make of how real it is, whether baseball should change this the bound a little bit, or whether they will consider making changes moving forward it's a it's a very interesting question while it's not a huge sample size it's significant enough in the small sample size that it's got your attention yep. in my opinion um what is uh, john smoltz's john opinion? smoltz's because i don't really have a his suggestion was very simplistic don't have an off day on friday Start the division series on Friday. If you play a three-game wild card series, then you got to play the next day. Yeah, um, but that y- you limit the time off. By and, and these teams are are used to playing back-to-back days. Yes, yeah. it, it's not extraordinary yeah. to ask a team right. to play on Thursday and then again on Friday. Now you'd have to figure that out if you're going to play all four division series. They like to stagger it and play yeah. some in the afternoon. So if you're going to do that, you have to have the team that's playing on Thursday also play in the afternoon. Yeah. And baseball wouldn't really like that because imagine if there's only one wild card series that goes right. You know, to three games. Th- there'd be some things they'd have to deal with there. But I do think it's fair and reasonable, and it's something they could work around in order to make yeah. it happen. You know, when baseball first expanded the playoffs, it seemed like they made an effort to stagger games. You know, really stagger them. If I think back to it, you know, to meaning have like, like there would be a one o'clock, o'clock, four seven o'clock, o'clock, seven yeah. and ten o'clock. Yeah. Now they kind of squish Bunch them together. Them between like four I think and... they've marginalized the the baseball fan that really tries to get in front of the tube for all the games. I would compare it to there were people whenever you would talk about the N- the first weekend of the NCAA tournament being the best sports weekend of the year. Yeah. There would be a handful of baseball fans that would say, yeah, but for us, it's the first full weekend of the playoffs. Right. Because you get that same sort of vibe of yeah. round-the-clock yep. baseball, and you just hunker down at a bar or hunker down at home. And if baseball is what you love, then that provides you the same thing. To your point, if you're starting the first game at 4 o'clock and three of the games are happening at the same time, right. you're, you're losing out on that feeling of it being sort of like a holiday yeah Uh, that's the way it's looked to me the last couple years you know that they like even the late game isn't like you know it'd be nothing in la to start a game at 10 30 on the east coast 
because it's 7.30. They seem like they want to make it more like 9.30, which is 6.30 out there, which doesn't serve, to me, doesn't serve a great purpose to getting fans there on time. So, so. I, I, the way that it was, pre- a couple of people I saw, and I, I wish I could attach names to it this week, when this debate was raging on Twitter, mm-hmm. I saw a couple of people say, this is nonsense. Ask any of these teams if they were given the choice. You can either play in the wild card series or you can have the wild card series off and play in the division series. Yeah. Every single one of them would say, yeah, we're going to take the five days off right. and skip ahead the division series. Right. So is the answer to go back to one game wild cards? Is the answer to maybe expand the division series to seven games to make it – not that I think that these teams – I don't think the Dodgers or the Orioles were going to be fighting back to win a seven-game division series. They right. were pretty beaten pretty soundly in these series. Maybe the Braves would be able to find a little bit more life if they got further into the series and got some rhythm back. I don't know. But I, I, I do think there's an argument that it's a more fair way of if you're going to have a team have a few days off, give them more time so that if they're getting their rhythm back is mm-hmm. problematic – they don't feel like they're out of it just by losing two games. I think these are all worthy conversations. Yeah, kind of to worth, have. worth conversations. I would hope that they wouldn't change it next year. You know, I would give it another year at the way it is now to see if it it levels out. Maybe there's some ways that teams can better prepare for it. You know? Have teams? You know, you make this comparison. What to if the they one? played like? What if the Braves and Orioles had? Played an, an exhibition game. game or something like that, you know, just something. That well, you know, we laugh, but this is sort of what the Ravens are dealing with with London, right? right? Like they don't have what they're openly admitting is we don't know. There isn't enough data to tell us exactly how it is that we're supposed to handle a trip to London. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try to do it a different way this time and see if that might work. Right. And it might very well be that if the Orioles win the division next year, they're in the same spot. They say, all right, we want to do things completely different this year and see if that maybe helps us out a little bit. Dealing I, with, with London. Right? I don't know. Like I don't know what that, that is. I don't know why all yeah. of a sudden there's uh, my I'm being echoing back to myself. That's too much. Uh, um, it's way too much Glenn Clark. Yeah, we don't need that much Glenn Clark. No one wants that. Too Mrs. much Mi- magic. Mrs. Clark said that is <laughs> entirely too much Glenn Clark. Um, so I, I, I get that maybe you give it another year to build up the sample size and allow these teams to have conversations with each other. Call the Astros. Hey, why didn't you guys fall apart the way that everybody else did a year ago, right? Like, what did you do? Yeah. Did you have kind of a special sauce? Was there something I mean, you were maybe doing? Maybe they had the best team. <laughs> oh, maybe they had the best team, or maybe they had the best matchup, right? Like, maybe the Twins were the least threatening of Look, all of some the teams. Of it, some of it does boil down to matchup, but uh, I, I'm, you know... I'm staggered that the Diamondbacks and Texas Rangers are in, in the the next round, the championship series. I'm more staggered by the Diamondbacks and the Rangers. I know the Rangers were— Rangers really stumbled I, through I, September. I know and, that part. And, again, I always hate to bring it up, my fantasy team. Yeah, the Evaldi Nathan Ivaldi went from—I I mean, it's unimaginable to me that he's won two games now. When he didn't, he won one game— from the All Star break till till it is his playoff track record though. Like this is for yeah. whatever reason in his history he has been a different pitcher. Now he's normally been better than what he was in but September. That means yeah. that means and Mark, we had Mark McLemore mm-hmm. on. I think it was him last week who said, "Think of it that that September was his spring training." Okay, I think of it and I go, "Boy, that's a really risky thing." They, it's not like they were ahead 
six or seven right, games over anyone. Anyway. They could have easily fallen behind Seattle. Mm-hmm. So a, that was a risky gambit by them. Tonight. And now they're talking about, I thought if they got Scherzer back for either this round or the World Series, that they were going to like sort of morph him into a reliever, which to me would make perfect sense. They need the guy, just like the Orioles did, that's not Brian Baker right. and Jake Webb coming in at 5-2 to two when it's still winnable yep. uh, that blows the whole thing up out of the world. Uh, for the life of me, and you know I'm not critical of Brandon. I think well, he's a well, terrific the Brian man. Brian Baker thing will never. All right, we'll get into yeah, that. I mean, my God. That's right. You did say yeah, you yeah. wanted to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I promise. We are going to do a deep dive on yeah. the Orioles a little bit later on. I, I, I hear you. I do think, though, on paper, the talent, the Rangers story, it's more surprising they were this mid during the season than it is that they're this good at the end of the year. They, on, they were for a good time. They looked to be the best team in, in the American League yes. early in the season, like from maybe about May 15th to about July 15th. After the, dime, or the, the Rays' initial you know, yeah, assault. Right. The after Texas point, really, their offense looked phenomenal. Ivaldi was pitching very well. Gray was pitching pretty well. You know, um, they knew DeGrom wasn't coming back, but they – they had enough there between Dane Dunning and Heaney to think that one of them would have spiked and had a good season. You know, I agree. Um, I would. I would also add in that they, boy, boy, it's a tough juxtaposition when we're reminded that like the two teams that are in the ALCS made really good pitching moves at the trade deadline, and the Orioles also made a pitching move at the trade deadline. Yeah. And that's a mm-hmm. tough juxtaposition yeah. to deal with. Yeah. But to the point, I'm not stunned by the Rangers being there. I would agree with you. I'm stunned by the Diamondbacks being there. Oh, yeah. That, that is as stunning as stunning gets. And it's mm-hmm. not to say they don't have a good team. They you, do. You know what's interesting is the, Do- the Dodgers, if you remember in my baseball power rankings this year, I, I know I shocked myself. I had the Dodgers you, like about you, 18 yeah, at were. the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And then about a month in, six weeks in, I had I had them creep up to like 12. And then by like around late May, I said, well, I got to admit I was wrong. They're a top 10 team. And then they really went on a, a tear. They Their pitching was just absolutely horrible going into the playoffs. You know, they had Lance Lynn. Yep who did not pitch well his last four times. Nope. Pitched well the first four or five times they had him. Um, Kershaw was going to be Kershaw. Nobody in the in their right mind could have imagined that was, what we saw last Friday or Saturday night. That was just awful. Let me give you this stat. This is from Ariel Epstein on Twitter. She's a, a gambling type. She works for points bet. She also does stuff for MLB Network. She said, you expect me to believe the four NL MVP candidates, Ronald Acuna, Matt Olson, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, go a combined six for 43 with zero home runs in the NLDS and the week off has nothing to do with it? Get out of here. Something's got to change. Now, again, guys have had rough playoff series before. Really good players have had rough playoff series before. But I do think that that's the type of thing that you look at and you say – it's a long – the baseball season is a very long ser- season. To then go cold for a week and not yeah. be in that rhythm, it is hard to ignore that that's a factor. The Orioles' bats went so, – So what are some of the other – without – I get the point. So mm-hmm. what would be some of the other ways to make it fairer? 
you know, would it be to make those first series longer and then still not maybe give a, se- a seven-game series? Well, I think the argument would be to go back to one game. I think the argument for the wild card See, series I'm not would in be favor of that. Well, I, I don't, don't think that ESPN would ever be okay with yeah. giving up Well, they, yeah, they're not going to give games back I, They would have to the, They'd it, it, turn it into a nine-game series. In order to do it, you'd essentially have to make the division series seven games and right. promise ESPN some of those games in order to make up right. for it. Right, It's still a difficult – what I would say, and Griffin and I had this conversation yesterday, I do miss the theater – the drama of the one-game wild card. I mean, right. it was for we could be checked out on baseball in Baltimore for two months leading up to the end of the season because the Orioles were that bad, and then you get to the days of those wild card games yeah. and jam you were right. See, back in the in. old days, that used to be the way baseball was in, when there was a real pennant race before postseason right. baseball. You know, uh, and I found the Astros, Seattle, and Texas. Going down to the wire. Yeah, it was compelling. That was pretty exciting, you know. Be interesting to see. I'll bet the crowds weren't nearly as good for those games. Well, I guess Seattle drew very yeah, I think well. Seattle was drawing games. quite well. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I that the argument being do one game, start the start the division series on Thursday. Mm-hmm. It's it's only problematic if you find yourself in a year where the three division winners all have really good records. Like we talked about that. Imagine you win. If the Twins had won the Central with 100, or let's go to the, who had the NL Central? If the Brewers had won the NL Central with 100, that'd be a better argument. Right, right. The Brewers had won the NL Central with 100 wins. Mm-hmm. They had a 100-win team, and yet because they were the third seed, right. in, they were a they division winner, right. that their season would be boiled down to a one-game one playoff would seem un- unfair. It'd be easy for some people to say, well, you could have won 102. You could have won... Right. You could have gotten yourself out of this equation, but it would seem somewhat unfair to have a 100-win team have their season come down to one game, that you you played about as well as possible, and yet it all came down to one game. But if that's the if the only other option is to have teams waiting around for a week not playing baseball, I, I think it's probably reasonable to say that's on you. You could have won more games. You didn't. The regular season should matter, and – we don't want it all yeah. to be built up. It's interesting, at least in the American League, you had the two the two teams that won that swept the first round, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, the Minnesota Twi- uh, the Twins yep. beat Toronto. Yep. Correct. They were the home team, but the Rays were the home team. That's true. Even though they had no crowd advantage, yeah. and <laughs> Texas true. came in as the road team and, and swept them. I also think it's interesting that, like, the, you point out the Rangers and the Astros were still battling into the final weekend of the season. They had no rest. No wiggle room. And yeah. I remember us having this conversation last week. We were kind of ignoring the Orioles' offensive woes down the stretch, yeah. in part because it was easy to say, well, hey, they were carrying the burden of trying to win the division, right. and then they were just, they didn't care that weekend. Yeah. And as much as I get it, you wanted to give some guys some rest. At the same time, you kind of needed your offense to be clicking. You kind of needed guys to be feeling good about each other. Yeah. And there's some hindsight to look back on and say, wow, the teams that were pushed all the way through 162 games in the American League, those are the teams that were playing the best baseball into October. Meanwhile, the Orioles, who were able to kind of shut it down for the final weekend of the season and go through the motions and have some fun, they yeah. never got it, it going It's again. not as easy to quantify what happened with the Orioles because I think the Orioles were a tired team. In fact, I think they 
would have benefited from two or three days off. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's I don't have a quant- a quantification of that, but to me, the difference was that they had five days off. You know. Uh, that, well, and that arguably they, they had more like, like eight days yeah, off they had because like, they yeah. really did not go. Yeah, they the just Boston went through the motions really in the Boston matter. games. Yeah. They, the guys played, yeah. but they were just kind of going out there. Yeah. Like they were, they were treating it more like spring training over the course of the final yeah. weekend. And in hindsight, that eight-day layoff yeah. might be what really doomed them is that they stopped kind of playing baseball in heat for a long time. And then all yeah. of a sudden the one game they play on Saturday is – critical because it's a home game that if you lose you're in bad shape all right so i I don't have all the answers yeah i don't have all the answers i do think it's warranted conversation and it's obviously going to continue today's show is also brought to you by superbook we've got a couple of codes for superbook glenn clark and charles 23 that one works glenn clark 23 works i think even better um it gets Uh, you this that's debatable it gets you the same offer either way Sign up today. You get a same-day first bet up to $250, win or lose, with Superbook.com or the Superbook app. Go sign up today. Uh, it was great having our next guest on the call. I wish the results had been a little bit different, and we would be getting more of him in our lives, but unfortunately that wasn't the case. He is, of course, the Hall of Famer and Fox MLB analyst, John Smoltz, and he is back with us now this morning here on GCR. John, it's Glenn. Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with me this morning. It's great to chat with you. Thank you, as always, for taking the time for us. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. Uh, John, we were before we get into the Orioles, we were just having the conversation, and I gave you a lot of credit over the course of the last week. I thought your take about how you can adjust without you know, ripping things up and start the division series on Friday instead of on Saturday, I thought that made a lot of sense. It's not You're not doing anything crazy. You're just making it one less day that teams are sitting around, and why should a team that has to play a three-game wild-card series earn another day off to reset their pitching for the division series? Yeah, I I totally agree. There'll be some time before they make some adjustments. Uh, They're going to let this play out, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident they'll make some adjustments when needed. Do you think that that is the... When we talk about these three teams, the three best teams in baseball this year, the Braves, the Dodgers, the Orioles, combining to win one playoff game, is that the biggest story or are we making too much of it because these teams just flat didn't show up in the division series? No, I, I think it's a story. I think it's something you gotta, you got to look at. Um, look, baseball's played in two different late years. There's the regular season and the postseason. And unlike other i don't know you play 162 games to have the overall best depth you show why you're the best team in the league respective league and division uh i know what they tried to do and i I give them all the credit in the world they tried to create an advantage and reward the best records in baseball no doubt that's what was set up there's two things you can do one thing i just suggested or you make it a best of seven in that second series and then you got time to recover for the layoff but this has happened two straight years. Is that a big enough sample size to make wholesale changes? Probably not. But, you know, the Baltimore Orioles are set up to make continual after continual runs. And this will serve as a great learning experience for a lot of their young guys, for their organization. And I don't see why they can't be right in the same spot next year. John, uh, Stan Charles here, big fan of yours over the years. 
Got to ask you before I ask you a question related to the playoffs. Do you remember which ex-Oriole you were traded for from the Tigers? Well, I mean, Doyle Alexander played for a lot of teams. I didn't know he played for Baltimore. <laughs> he, played, he, was, he was traded for Frank Robinson. Yep, you got the right answer. Uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> All right. Hey, um, you know, your suggestion is an, is really an interesting one to take the day the day off in between. Do you expect them to do something – by next year, or do you think they'll go one or two more years with it and see if this could level off some way? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think uh, one more year would probably be sufficient. I think the more attention that is given to this will create more discussion. And, look, it's pretty big gaps. It's not like the division was – the team they were playing, like in the case of the Braves, 14 games better than the Philadelphia Eagles, or Philadelphia Eagles, sorry, <laughs> Philadelphia uh, Phillies. And then you've got the Dodgers 16 or so, or maybe more than the, than the Diamondbacks. So there has to be something to look into it. I think eventually all of this will work out once they get 32 teams. Mm-hmm. Then you really can have fun with the playoff system. Then you can have seeding, which should be happening. Yeah. The seating should be happening, and there's a lot of complications to it, but I think they can work it out and get it done. John, to your point, obviously, I think Orioles fans have handled this pretty well this week because I think for the most part we understand that it's disappointing, but what you just said is true, that the Orioles are in great shape. That said, even if you assume ascension, that you assume Grayson Rodriguez takes another step forward, you know, if Kyle Bradish is this guy, does it still feel like either depth-wise or top-end the Orioles still need more pitching to go from good team, you know, even division winner to team that's ready to make the step to win a World Series. Honestly, I'm not just saying this because I'm on your air. I, I don't think so. Okay. I really think, I, I really think they had some limits to innings. They had some inexperience. They, they are in such a good spot. Could they add a piece or two? Everybody could do that, but their bullpen is so good. I mean, they're not going to have the mountain man next year, which really, I mean, that, that stinks, but, but the starting staff has the most depth in the, in the American league. And if they can upgrade, they can upgrade offensively and create some, um, maybe a little bit more, um, power in there. But, but I think the biggest thing they've got going for them is these guys are gritty. They're tough and they, they know how to win. And now they're going to know how to win even more once the postseason comes around. You may even be too young. I know Glenn is too young. But when the Orioles acquired Frank Robinson in 1966, the Orioles, some people forget, they were pretty good in 64. The Twins won easily in 65. And then the Orioles said, we need like a veteran guy that really can can be an impact player. Do you see the Orioles needing a veteran guy that that helps that line up a little bit more? Definitely think you could add that guy. There's no doubt about it. Look, building up a great farm system is great, but having constant prospects, they don't always, like at some point you give something up to make a difference maker. Whether or not they're in that position to do that, yeah. uh, time will tell. But there's no doubt. I don't think they have to go out and make a world of difference and spend a ton of money. They're in a good place right now 
to keep developing. They learned some things about some players they didn't know having not gone, you know, having gone to the postseason. And all those things was just going to keep getting better and better and better. I promise you, I said it a year and a half ago, close to a year ago, they remind me of the 91 Braves. Even, even, um, yeah, yeah. They really do. Um, they've got way better pitching than we did. And we were known for our pitching, obviously. But their stuff, I'm a Tyler Wells. I'm a Wells fan. I'm a Grayson Rod. I, I really, Bradish, I mean, it is only going to get better. And you know what? The only problem baseball has universally is all these guys get hurt. Hopefully they don't. Yeah. Hopefully they can find a way to stay healthy. John, the, the player that I was sort of begging the Orioles to acquire this offseason, looks like he, there's a chance he might be available this offseason. Did you get to see Justin Turner much this year? And that's the type of player. I'm not talking about going out and getting the $30 million guy or something like that. I don't expect the Orioles to do that. Would Turner help this team, his veteran presence, having been a winner for a large part of his career? Uh, I think a guy like that certainly would help this team, but I wouldn't sacrifice the development of a young guy to get it. Um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the balance you got to have when making those decisions. It's tough. I mean, that's because they've got young guys just about everywhere yeah. at this point, and that's sort of the difficult thing they're faced with. John Smoltz is with us here on GCR. John, you just mentioned Tyler Wells, right? And I think the Orioles are in an interesting spot with Tyler Wells. They don't have Felix Batista for next year, so they can either go out and try to acquire a closer or they can turn it over to D.L. Hall or Tyler Wells. But to the point, Tyler Wells spent a half of the season looking like one of the best starters in baseball. So are you inclined to say Tyler Wells should go back to the rotation next year or could he maybe solve that problem to help you in the back end of the bullpen? I hope he goes to the rotation. They don't look like that, man, in the rotation. This is a horse that can be and pitch up, you know, meaning pitch above his number four slot or number three or whatever they decide. So I hope that unless you're going to make him a super utility uh, reliever that pitches two and three innings at a, at a pop twice a week, I'd rather see him on the starting rotation. John, you're uniquely qualified to answer that you know question. You know a thing or two about this. Yeah, well, yeah. you because you became a reliever later in your career. Tyler Wells had a major shoulder injury years ago. Uh, I think, did he have Tommy John surgery also? But But the issue is this. This year, he was one of the better starters. Nobody's questions whether he has the stuff, but he got injured. In other words, he, he ran out of gas. He totally ran out of gas. Can can he withstand the rigors of making 33 starts, or, or are you going to tell me that being a reliever, like a closer, is is even harder yeah, more than taxing. that? Yeah, more taxing. Yeah, I think if you're talking about a role of a closer, there's no doubt it's more taxing. They they treat them differently than, you know, I mean, back in the back in the day, throwing five games in a row happened more than you would believe, and they don't go three in a row now. I get it. I get what they're trying to do in theory to protect guys, but they're actually doing a disservice um, by letting them max effort every single time and then give them an extra day in the rotation, going to a six-man rotation. Uh, I say that when a pitcher learns and trains for a marathon, you don't run sprints. So that's the difference. They're mm-hmm. training for different. They're de- they're training for sprints. So unless the philosophy changes, I'd like to see him develop 
and get his innings and learn how to be that, that starter over time that you can count on. And especially the way his assets are up in the zone with today, today's style of hitting. To the point that Tommy John was in 2019, so we're yeah. quite a few years removed, and he'll be 30 next year. Yeah. So, you know, you're in an interesting place there. John, if I could, Brandon Hyde came under the microscope a great bit, obviously, during this division series. And I think Stan and I are ultimately going to agree. The only the only decision that I have a lot of pushback about was going to Brian Baker in game two, which I just thought was insane. But what did you make of some of the decisions, the buttons he was trying to push? I, For the most part, it felt like someone who had done that all season long and they had, for the most part, been correct during the season. They just didn't all work out this time. I don't know that that makes them the wrong decisions. No, I agree. The problem with the the style of game he had to manage was he had Baker was going to pitch at some point. When you get that short of an outing, and you're in a tough situation, not a must win, but you really need to win. Baker was going to pitch that game. It's just a matter of where and when. And I think that's the problem of having six guys, seven guys go in a game. It sounds good on paper when you put it together, but it only takes one guy to not be on his game. And that's unfortunate because their bullpen was so good that everybody pitched great except for a moment or two. I think you could say Webb, you know, gave up that home right. run and probably wasn't as sharp coming in. But, man, you just don't expect your 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 stud to go two innings. And, and I go back to that series, and I tell you, they were one strike away 15 times in the first two games to possibly flip the narrative and win. 15 times. Yeah. They had opportunities to put a hitter away. That's what they're going to learn. That's what they're going to get better at. That's why it's going to be a different story the next time they're in the playoffs. Can I quickly, based on what you said about Tyler Wells, would I assume that you would have D.L. Hall as being the, the top candidate then to be the closer next season while Batista's out? i tell you what. <laughs> they got about three guys that you can make that point with, so that's why they have strength in numbers. Listen, this is, this is the, the new age kind of arm your pen with tremendous arms. And I think multiple closers are way more important with yeah. the way they're being used. Because if you don't have the lockdown guy, you can go to three times in a row, four times in a week, and he gets and he doesn't they avoid the burnout. Then I think you have to use multiple guys. So that's, they're in a great spot. John, how familiar are you with uh, Shintaro Fujinami? And and is there anything you see in him? He didn't even make the postseason the roster. roster. Yeah. It was kind of a risky gamble that Mike Elias made. He's somebody that throws even yeah, just as hard not, yeah. as Felix. Listen, they got to have this guy's unbelievable, but he has to have a computer reboot. It's a mental thing as well as a physical thing. They couldn't take the chance yeah. in the postseason, and that, that decision was right. But if they can work with this young man and they can get him to a place of confidence and mechanics – the the sky's the ceiling. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. But everybody, you know, knows that a computer can get a virus. And when your mind gets, gets some things in there, it's hard to get it out until you work through it. And I think throwing strikes is the only issue. And if that's the only issue, you can fix that. But if the other issue is the confidence of throwing strikes, well, then then that that's something you got to work on as well. John, before we let you go, a uh, real quick question about Jack Flaherty. Uh, the Orioles made that deal. Um, if you were Jack Flaherty's agent, do you want him to work through this as a starting pitcher, or do you think it's time for him to try doing what you did? And I know it was you did it much later in your career than him, but is he a reliever waiting to happen? No, no, not at all. Uh, he's another guy that just got it first-time failure, 
uh, probably ever. Got to work through it. Um, and once he does, you're going to see the Jack Flaherty of old. I hope. Uh, well, I don't know. It's probably not going to be probably in Baltimore. Be in so Baltimore. yeah, all right. You never I don't know. know if that's you the case. Know. Uh, turns out the ALCS, all in Texas, starts on Sunday night. Uh, and I know part of the story, of course, from the division series, the Rangers, I think, are much better than everybody realized they were because of their record. They are a loaded team that can hit. It should be entertaining for you and um, for Joe and obviously the crew working the ALCS for Fox. John Smoltz, always a pleasure. Thank you for spending a few minutes Great with stuff, us this John. morning. Uh, my pleasure, guys. Talk to you soon. John Smoltz with us here on GCR. Appreciate it. Has a vastly different view of the relieving thing than I do. You know, it's a couple of things in there that are interesting to me. He, and I know it's true because he's come on with us a bunch. He has been bullish about the Orioles pitching for a very long time. Yeah. And so while everybody else, and when we do our deeper dive, I'm sure it'll be at the the top of the conversation, will be how they can add pitching this offseason. I agree that there is every reason to feel good about the group of Means, Braddish, Grayson Rodriguez atop your rotation a year from now. But are you con- are you confident I, that any of them is I a – got a great pitcher we can talk about at 11 all right, o'clock. All right, I already we'll... spotted him. Oh, okay. Very interesting. I already spotted him. Very interesting. I am less I – th- I am not going to say – I think in order to take a step towards being a World Series champion – there has to be further fortification in the rotation. This right? guy that I have in mind, no oh boy, is is sort of both. He could be the fortification, and he could be if everything's working right. He could be that guy that is the swingman, okay. can give you three innings at a time, something like that. Okay. But I think Wells. I think going into next year between Fuji, Wells, and Hall. I would just make it a committee rather than try and get one lockdown guy. And let the maybe by June first you've narrowed it down to right. that one guy, you know. I'm I'm inclined what Hall did in the postseason yeah. based with his stuff, like he's the guy whose temperament right now seems to be and, he step. He really stepped and, up. And admittedly, it's a small sample size. Was there a right? guy that was saying that he should be a reliever? I've heard that for some yeah. time, and I I've credited you because at yeah. first I said I didn't. It was more. It was less about me. It was more about I didn't think the I Orioles understand. would do it right? right, like because he was just so important to their. But given where they are now, and given what he's done, it's even more perplexing that he wasn't here for more of the season. It's even more perplexing they went through all of this absurd theater of the absurd with him throughout the course of the year. The craziest part of the development of Dia Hall was when they brought him up for that start in Tampa Mm -hmm. last last Mm -hmm. year, right? And they said and I was and it wasn't a horrible, horrible start, but he was all over the place. And they said, you know what? We're sending him back down and he's gonna be a reliever. And then like about four weeks later they said, well, we're bringing him up, and he's going to pitch in relief, but he's going to be a starter next year. And it was like, what are you – I'll never understand what the thought process was. I'll never – I don't know if it was – Was I stating that correctly? No, basically, that smells yeah. about – right. and yeah. I, it feels like it was maybe D.L. Hall was pushing back about it. It and may saying, have been. Yeah. I am not on board with this. Yeah. And so they were left in a really difficult spot where – Where they looked kind of foolish, but they were – adhering to what the player was trying to find a fine line between these two yeah. things but 
to me at the moment, I would be inclined to say if you're not going to acquire a closer, if you're not going to acquire one, and I would get that based on the fact that Batista, you assume, is back the following year. Yeah. I'd still I'd be in the market. Like I'd be looking and checking around to see if there's something that makes sense. Yeah. And I said this year I thought they could have used a second closer. I think the best teams in baseball have two guys yeah. that they can bring in in the playoffs and say when we need somebody to shut things down in the sixth, we can turn to that guy, yeah. the Andrew Miller type. So I'm not opposed to adding another closer and having a situation, even if it's a multi-year deal, where in 2015 you have two of those guys. See, I think Hall is the right guy for the Andrew. The, the, a left-hander is probably always going to be more more correct for the situation in the sixth inning because you can spot him against two or three left-handed batters right. yep. where the, the manager's not going to want to pinch hit for – uh, Anthony Rizzo or something like that. That's fair. You know. All right, Stan, you had... And we left off Cano. I mean, Cano and I, factors I, into... He does. I don't see him as a closer, but he factors into getting important outs in the seventh, it, eighth, It's ninth. a really tough conversation with Cano. I yeah. agree that he's a part of yeah. the, you know, the bullpen. Yeah. It's a very difficult thing. He's just not as good as he was the first six or eight and, weeks and i think he's just better not being in the ninth inning i think no i agree his i agree with you is not ninth inning yeah. it's it's spot situational i i just don't think he's the end of the game you had a show last night stan yep tyson rementer course designer for the maryland five it was really Star. fascinating we talked with tyson rementer who is not the course designer he's the course builder builder the designer sorry, sorry. and i asked him that yeah. question glenn before i said before we go on let me ask you a question. If you're building a house, Ian Stewart is the architect and you're the builder. He goes, is that correct? And he goes, you got it 100%. So Ian Stewart designed the course. He then he then sends out Tyson Rementer and his team to go out and build his vision. And, so, and they have interplay because sometimes Tyson might say, that's not going to work over here with that jump. We got to do this. So they work together very closely. Uh, Ian Stewart, by the way, it's fascinating, was a rider, has hmm. won um, five-star events, you know. And back then in got the, into this. And got into that. And it's sort of like I compared it to, like, Jack Nicholas designing golf courses. That's, That's interesting. It's very interesting. Very interesting. You can find that right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab. Go to youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video. I know you have an incredibly insane schedule. Are you going to be able to try and get I'm out this year? I'm working on the ability. I would have to go on Thursday, but I'm working on that. Right, I, The weekend is just impossible yeah, for me, but I'm working you. on trying to be able to go on Thursday this year. All right, when we come back in, Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer, will preview London and the Titans. That's next. This is Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita 
and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Ties Bowser show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 a fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show, a partnership of Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, October 17th at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports and AJ Michaels. And if you or a loved one have a gambling problem, visit helpmygamblingproblem.org. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Life Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland Open. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis. AJMichaels.com. The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. Uh, we'll bring it up with Bo here in a second, but some news this morning. It is official. The Broncos have released Frank Clark. Veteran edge rusher has hit the market after the Broncos lost to the Chiefs last night, and which was just a really painful to watch football game. I did not watch it. I, I was watching I was, the film. And I was between the two, and yeah. I ended up focusing more on the baseball because the football game was – there was nothing happening. It was bad. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm sure. But I'm sure uh, Al uh, Michaels and oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Herb, Kirk Herbstreit, yeah. you know, kept most it, exhibiting football, most exhibiting team. That may be one of the worst big time teams 
you know. I've never understood it. Yeah. But Frank Clark is on the market, and I would think the Ravens should be in the market for edge rushers. I don't know if Frank Clark is, like, the guy, but at So he this was point, just released. Just released this morning. Let's talk a little bit more about the Ravens joining us now. He is our Press Box Ravens beat writer. Our friend Mr. Bo Smolka is with us. He was uh, in Pittsburgh on Sunday. Bo, good morning. How are you, my friend? Good. Good morning to you. Um, I, I, I'm not suggesting that Frank Clark at this point in his career is wildly dynamic, but the Ravens are throwing just about anything at the wall right now, edge rush-wise, to try to see if it sticks. Could you see them being in the market for the services of Frank Clark? Uh, maybe. I mean, their their edge rush situation isn't exactly settled, and Tyus Bowser still isn't back, and Adafi Owe is out, and David Ajabo's out. So, I mean, look, they already went out and got Kyle Van Noy, and – they've been clowny since august so the search would i would think would continue and and eric DaCosta always has kind of a running folder on players at positions and they don't know the guys are going to be released but i i absolutely think they would be cross their mind i would I, you know the interesting part to me too is that like i i keep i know the defense isn't the problem right the defense has been outstanding but, Bo, even in a day where I say I think the defense played really well, at the end of the game when one team needed an edge rusher to go make a play and the other team, they got it, the other team didn't, like it seems to be the one thing for the Ravens in close games they could still use is an ass kicker. So I don't think Frank Clark is necessarily that guy, but I, I would still think that they could find themselves in the trade market if Daniel Hunter or Brian Burns or somebody like that would prove to be available knowing how aggressive Eric DaCosta has been at the deadline. Well, he does love to trade. He said that himself. He loves to trade. So I think absolutely they would look to trade. Look, he made a big swing last year to get Roquan Smith. Yep. Um, I think that absolutely they would consider that. And <clears throat> um, and you, you're right. The defense has played well enough to win and played well enough again. But the problem was, as I wrote after the game, there was, the, the Ravens left themselves in position where one play could beat them. And that's all the Steelers needed. And that's what they got. And that was the whole problem. They never should have been to that point, but that's the position they put themselves in. He is Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer. He's with us here on GCR. Bo, before we move forward, and I know you're not in London with the team, but before we move forward, let, let, let's spend a couple of minutes on what happened last Sunday. I, this one was a very difficult one for me to like write a column about because the truth is there's a trend here. There's a trend of the Ravens handling adversity poorly and it goes back to them blowing 10-point leads a few times a year ago and now here's another 10-point lead that they blew and the Colts thing where they were shooting themselves in the foot late in the game and they're shooting themselves the foot again but I, I don't know how to measure that versus but this really was bizarro land on Sunday and I don't think we're going to assume that the Ravens are going to drop eight balls and have receivers fall down every play so how much did we actually learn about the Ravens from what was a weird, weird loss to a team that they appeared to be legitimately better than on Sunday? I don't know, but like I wrote after the game, I mean, they want to call it an aberration. They want to, you know, but the fact is they've now lost two out of five games that they should have won. And is, is that an aberration or is it who they are? And that's what I wrote after the game. And I don't know the answer to that. And you're right that the losses, they were, they felt different in a way. Uh, because, yeah, they didn't drop eight passes against Indianapolis and lose that game, but it was a game they should have won, and they didn't execute when they had to. So it comes down ultimately to lack of execution, and it showed up in different ways. Of course, there was also the interception Lamar Jackson threw in the end, so it was a terrible pass. 
Yep. Terrible. I, all, all along, I thought it was an awful call. I thought it was an awful execution yep. of a play. Um, but and then and then again, there's the fumbles, right? Lamar Jackson fumbled again, and I know the Ravens were down to effectively their third string right tackle against a ferocious pass rush, and and Ronnie Stanley got beat. And I mean, those are good edge rushers, and you're right, they they can blow up a play. Um, but we can't get away from the fact that Lamar Jackson's fumbled in every single game this year. And, and I know he likes to say, well, it was, I was in the pocket, my hand gets bumped. That's, that, that's all fine, but the fumbles are fumbles, and they will cost you. Um, so the losses have been different, but those are very winnable games, and they don't get them back. And, and their only hope is that they don't come back to haunt them in a way of, A, missing the playoffs, or B, they're sitting there going on the road in January yeah. instead of being at home because they threw a terrible pass in the end zone at Pittsburgh three months earlier or whatever it was, or dropped eight balls. They don't get those chances again. And I don't know what we learned about this team, but we learned that we already knew and we saw again that they are capable of losing winnable games. So they've got they've got a fair amount of money invested in the kicker, right, Justin yes. Tucker? Yeah. No, we do. Oh, yes, correct. Yeah. We have a fair amount of money invested in him. Doesn't it seem like that play at the end of the first half why are they trying to be cute drawing them off or something why aren't they just accepting of the fact hey we'll we'll have a 13 to nothing lead doesn't that really boil down to like a poor philosophy so there's some confusion about that and here's really what happened with that okay so your short answer is they absolutely intended to kick the field goal there was no attempt to draw them offside um, John Harbaugh said they didn't run the field goal team on right away because had they done that, they figured the Steelers would take a quick timeout and then they kick the field goal and then the Steelers would have time to operate after the field goal. How much, time, was, how much time are we talking about, though? They had like, I, I, like, I, it was like 20 seconds. Yeah, that, to me, is the odd premise right there. Yeah. I don't know what the – seeing what we had seen of the of – the, Pittsburgh offense to that point in the game, I don't understand any fear of yeah. giving them time to operate. But that was the plan. The plan was to just leave the offense on the field and after the clock wound down, then call a timeout. Tyler Linderbaum, they must have it. They have it kind of programmed. If we see a guy jump offside, snap the ball, and then we get a free play. Well, Lamar Jackson wasn't expecting a snap. Linderbaum saw the guy on the left, on his left, appear to jump offside. So he snapped the ball. Lamar Jackson wasn't even ready for the ball. They're frankly lucky it turned in. It didn't turn out to be worse than that. But um, in the end, that that the plan was to kick the field goal. It was just poorly executed. And and to me, the basics of that operation, the big flaw there was that the Ravens somehow had this fear of giving yeah. the Steelers twenty seconds. And yeah. I just don't. I don't find that. I, I don't understand that at all. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. No. Really doesn't make a whole lot of but sense. But it did. It, co- it cost them three yep. points. I mean, it was a forty-yard field goal. Just take it, and and yep. you know, yep. frankly, you're probably just as you you probably have just much chance of Kenny Pickett making another turnover, a poor play, yeah. right? And you getting, getting more points out of it yep. than <laughs> right. you do having him create something at that point. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer, with us here on GCR. Um, you know, you know what it's like, Bo. There, it's it's sort of like the uh, in boxing, where we were we were wanting to get into a a hug with them, 
you know, a, a thing at a the clinch, end of the round, yeah. a clinch, yeah. rather than just punch away a couple punches. I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand the fear factor. Can we, Bo? The, the other thing that you that we've debated a little bit this week. I am convinced that what happened on the touchdown, the Marlon Humphrey play, was that they got to a point on the field where they said, "It's all or nothing here. It's either we have to get a sack or we have to give up the touchdown." and so we can get the ball back before they recognize that they shouldn't score a touchdown and bleed more time off of the clock and prevent us from seeing the ball again. Did you get the sense that that was what was going on as they made that call? Honestly, no. What I, the, the thing that struck me, and I have to go, I have to go back. I haven't watched the game again. I remember there was a play about three plays before the touchdown when they swung a pass to the sideline, and Lamar, um, Marlon Humphrey made a big hit on the – I think it was Robinson caught the ball on the sideline, and Marlon Humphrey made a big hit on him. And he looked – to me, Humphrey looked shaken up, looked like his shoulder was hurting him. And I thought Humphrey – he might have gone off the field for a play. I don't know. I remember Hamilton talking to him. Anyway, it struck me that Marlon Humphrey was not completely right after that. And so – and they go, they go line up pickings against him, and they go deep on him. And whether his shoulder is a factor or not, I noticed that on the, on the injury report this week, Humphrey's shoulder does not appear. Hmm. So I might have misread that, but he did not look comfortable after making that tackle. And so I, was, I didn't think Humphrey was 100%. On, when that was all happening, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh God, Humphrey looks like he was shaking up. He's still out there. And then, of course, they, they beat him with the play. Um, but – yeah, they gave the Ravens the ball back, and then we saw what happened, and they got the pass right. rush overwhelmed them, and, and and that was that. But in the moment, in the moment, I thought I thought Humphrey was was hurting, and that was a factor. Uh, Bo, the Ravens shift to London this week as they get ready to take on the Titans on Sunday morning. I think the biggest storyline is how different this trip is than the last time they went to London. What did you make of them openly just sort of saying, "Look, we don't know that it's the better way of doing things. We just know." it's not the same way we did things the last time and the way we did things the last time proved to be disastrous. I think that's exactly it. I think they said, all right, you know what? We have to do this again. We're going to do everything differently than we did last time because last time was probably one of the top two, three, maybe one worst performances of the whole John Harbaugh era. They were completely not ready to play that day. And, of course, there was also, you might recall, that was the whole day that the kneeling on the sideline took place and they had to deal with that one blowback after they got back and but they played terribly they played completely terribly that day they didn't look ready to play so they turned it completely <laughs> excuse me completely on its ear and they went to london for the entire week and they said we're just going to do it differently and we'll see if it plays out my understanding is everyone's been relaxed and loose and they've had a good week over there i will say tennessee is going went over i believe last night on an yeah. overnight flight and i heard mike Brabel say They've been to ten. They've been to London before. They did it, leaving on Thursday before. They like doing it that way. They say they got a lot done in Nashville before they go. So they did that. They 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 took the opposite approach to the Ravens, but it's the same approach they took before. And they were they liked how they played in London last time, even though they lost at the very end. The Ravens looked at how they played in London last time and said, "We are doing nothing the same as we did that time." So they've gone over there for the whole week. Um, it sounds like everything has gone well, and let's face it, this team has to be smarting a little bit after that Pittsburgh loss anyway, so they have a lot to play for. Do we assume that it's sort of the same status quo as far as the running back is concerned, that they're going to wait as long as they can before they have to make the Keaton Mitchell move and 
probably do the same thing they did last week where they leave Melvin Gordon on the practice squad and activate Kenyon Drake again? I mean, I think – I don't know. It, the answer to the question is, yeah, I think we'll see. We'll hear a roster move tomorrow afternoon. Um, but it could be – they could activate Keaton Mitchell. He's now practiced fully for two weeks. He's in his 21-day window. He could come up. You know, bringing Melvin Gordon up um, – would cost he's already been elevated three times so he would have to be added to the 53-man roster um of course so would keaton mitchell who technically is still on injured reserve or you could go to kenyon drake one more time to be activated be elevated it would be his third elevation now kenyon drake i think only played one snap last week so he really wasn't involved and and i thought in that game i thought they for for a game in which the receivers clearly did not show up and showed no interest in catching the ball I was surprised they didn't run the ball more in the second half of that game anyway. And I know they ran a few times, but to me, I'm watching Justice Hill, and I thought maybe he got a little bit in the penalty box after his fumble. But I would have liked to see them pound the ball a little more on the ground against the Steelers' defense that had been run on. But in the second half, they didn't look – it wasn't like they were playing from behind. And I was surprised they didn't use the running backs more in the second half of that game, especially – as well as the receivers were not catching the ball. Yeah. Um, but we'll <laughs> see. I mean, I, I do think there'll be a third there'll be a third running back, whether it's Drake or whether it is Keaton Mitchell. I wouldn't rule out Keaton Mitchell being called up. Melvin Gordon could be, but again, with either Mitchell or Gordon, you're, you're, yeah, you're looking at making a roster move. Yeah. Bo, you're around the team uh, enough to, to tell me this. What is Lamar Jackson's level of frustration right now? It's so hard to read with Lamar Jackson. And, of course, they went on – we haven't got to see the players at all this week um, because they left for London Monday. So there was not even a Monday presser with Harbaugh and the players are gone. You know, after the game against Pittsburgh, he's, he says all the right things. If my guys aren't going to drop those balls, we're going to keep grinding and everything. I mean, I don't know. I remember the one game he, I saw him in the locker room talking for a long time to, uh, I think, with Bateman after the game. Um, I think he's trying to hold those guys together. He's probably frustrated, but – with Lamar, when you watch Lamar Jackson, when you talk to me, he, he never shows, not never, rarely does he show outward frustration. Occasionally we'll see him, like, slam the helmet down the one time after one game. But um, I'm sure he's frustrated because I think he knows that he looks around and sees the players he has and sees what he thinks they can be, and they're not there yet. They're not really that close to where I think he thinks they can be. He's certainly frustrated with losing games, and I know he's frustrated with fumbling the ball because he, he said all along that you know throwing interceptions and fumbling are, are on him, and it's frustrating. But it's hard to read how frustrated he is, but I do know he knows that this offense could be much better than they've shown. He is Bo Smolka, at B Smolka on Twitter, of course, is how you follow him. And we'll be back in action next week as the Ravens return home to get ready for a date with a very interesting Lions team in Baltimore after this one. Bo Smoke, always appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. We'll talk to you next Friday. All right, take care. Thanks, Bo. Press Box Ravens beat writer Bo Smoka with us here on GCR. When we come back in, we will go on a deeper dive into everything that came apart for the Baltimore Orioles down the stretch in really in the playoffs this season. That's what the it's, – it's painful, but we'll deal with it, and we'll look ahead to what should come. Stan – um, had the opportunity to, to be at the availability yesterday for Mike Elias. And so we'll try to. And Brandon and Hyde. And Brandon Hyde. We'll try to see what we learn from that and what we can take from it moving forward. 
Today's show is brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department. Hiring event coming up and a community event as well on October 28th, Saturday, October 28th. Go through the entire process, written test, agility test, application process, if you're thinking about a career in the Baltimore County Police Department. If you're not, it's just a great location, a safe environment to bring your kids out, get them in their costumes, get them some candy, because it's going to be a trunk or treat event as well. Saturday, October 28th, Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road in Towson. Find out more, 410-887-5542, or join BaltimoreCountyPD.com. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org hotels. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The Maryland Five Star returns to iconic Fair Hill October 19th to 22nd, marking the next chapter in Maryland's equestrian tradition. Best described as the triathlon of horse eventing, you won't want to miss this thrilling sport. Enjoy a fall festival with local fair, retail vendors, and tons of family fun. Come for the event and stay for the experience in Cecil County, home to the Chesapeake Bay waterfront with vibrant small towns and accommodations to suit every desire. It's the place to be in October. Visit Maryland. MarylandFiveStar.us for tickets. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. 
show, a partnership of Press Box and Great Ace Memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, October 17th at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports and AJ Michaels. And if you or a loved one have a gambling problem, visit helpmygamblingproblem.org. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? AJ Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for Pressbox Fantasy Football Analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your Waiver Wire Wednesday, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at... Wait, are people supposed to know about that? Back in here on GCR, Stan the Fan Charles in studio with us on a Friday edition of the program. <sighs> Project Game Day returns this Sunday, and it'll be a little bit of an earlier version of Project Game Day after the London game. Be really nice. Keep saying it all week. I'm trying to like cross my fingers. The game gets nice, rapid pace to the game, and maybe we can finish up Project Game Day and be able to watch football the rest of the day. That would be great if it worked out that way. Myself, Rita, Femi, Ion, Bedejo, all part of it. Why don't we do a pregame show? You want to do a 8 a.m.? Like 8 a.m., yeah. yeah. I think I saw that the radio station is starting pregame at 6.30 in the morning. Ooh. Oh, are you working that? Are you working that, Griffin? Ah! He's got to be there at 6.30 in the morning. I say that like I'm not working at USA Lacrosse at basically the same time on Sunday. Oh, my. Uh, yeah, Project Game Day is brought to you by A.J. Michaels. HelpMyGamblingProblem.org and Superbook Sports. Find out more, PressBoxOnline.com slash game day. You can watch the show, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. I got a busy weekend ahead of me, man. I got a, I got a lot going on. Very exciting week for uh, everybody in the sport of lacrosse, of course, as lacrosse was approved by the LA 28 Olympic Committee for um, placement at the 28 Olympics. I made that happen. That was you were behind that? Wow. We started a new national team. I called a couple. I I didn't realize you had that. I'm a person that knows a person. I did not know that you were that guy, Stan the Fan Charles. So very excited as everybody descends upon beautiful Sparks, Maryland this weekend. For uh, the USA Lacrosse Fall Classic, looking forward to being out there. Stan, yeah, it's time. Um, there's so many layers to this, and I'm going to take it one at a time, because you alluded to Brian Baker earlier in the show. I'll start there. Mm-hmm. My opinion of those that are critical of Brandon Hyde and the decisions that he made. I said I would have started Gibson instead of Kramer in Game 3, but ultimately, if you are going to win the series, Kramer was going to have to pitch in Game 4. Right. So if that's what you were going to get from him, you were going to lose the series one way or the other, right? Like, that's not I, – I, I, can't, I can't dwell on that too much. You were going to need Dean Kramer at some point. If he was going to stink, he was going to stink. I can, we can all sit here and, and continue talking about when he pulled Kyle Bradish. Well, it got out of that inning. It, like, it, did wor- it was weird because Coulomb walked the guy that has never gotten a hit off a lefty, mm-hmm. but they got out of that inning with no further damage being done. We can debate a lot of these things, putting Frazier in, in for, for Westberg in game one. That quickly, yeah. Like, I, I get it. I understand why you're debating it, but neither one of them hit a lick late in the season. So why would I assume that Westberg would have suddenly right. – started hitting in game one when he didn't hit at all down the stretch this season. 
But the Baker thing is the one I can't get over. I can't give pass to it. Like, if there's one decision, I'm not telling you they would have won the series or they would have won the game or any of that stuff. But if there's one that just left me saying, I can't justify this in any way, it's Brian Baker being put in when a game. And I think the way that, uh, I don't remember who it was that we had on this week that said it, imagine the fact that Brian Baker and Jacob Webb had been put into spots that mattered in a series and Yenir Cano hadn't. Yeah. And that, to me, is the, the bigger. The, the Phillies went to Craig Kimbrell when they didn't need to go to Craig, Craig Kimbrell. Somebody's got to come in and pitch to keep you in a game. I can't believe the choice was Brian Baker. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I was gobsmacked when I saw that Brian Baker was even this on the roster. Guy, yeah. This is a guy that they essentially gave up on yep. back in. And, and it would be one thing, uh, Glenn, if you went and said, well, how did he pitch at Norfolk? And you saw he had like yeah. 19 innings of 1.15 ERA. His ERA at Norfolk was over seven runs a game. Yep. How he figures to be a better choice than Fuji um, I, I, or Cole Irvin, I just you can't, you can't convince me otherwise. Having said that, that he's on the roster, I, that game at 5-2 to two against the way Montgomery was pitching, to me, seemed to, eminently winnable no, they and, ultimately scored eight runs yeah. in that game um i just thought that that would have been either the time for cano flaherty or most likely kyle gibson to mm-hmm. me i mean so what were they saving gibson for to pitch to pitch you know once the game was like seven to one right. on on tuesday night i kiddingly texted a bunch of people i said well i guess they they really wanted to save Kramer because I still didn't know who was the game three was starter, pitching yeah. was going to be Kramer or Gibson. I said I guess they wanted to save one or both of them to open up the uh, you know the the uh, uh, the grapefruit league next you know the middle of February next year. It's going to be well rested though. Yeah, they'll be well plenty, rested for that. Plenty yeah. of rest for that. So that's the only one. Otherwise, none of the other stuff really bothers me significantly. We could debate it, we could nitpick it, but none of the other decisions that were made by Brandon Hyde are ones that I think ultimately were, say, you know, the reason why you lost a game or the reason why you lost the series. Look, Brian Baker's, uh, and I've never really talked to him. I'm sure he's a good guy. Um, He was perfectly fine on a team that was sort of on the way to, to regaining some respectability. He and and I talked to Elias yesterday. I asked him the question: Were some of your deficiencies? Because he used the word, you know, any of the deficiencies we had as a roster are on me. Okay, and I said, were some of those deficiencies partly because this team so far exceeded where you expected them to be that you didn't go out and fortify yourselves a little bit better than having Brian Baker? And Jake Webb, you know, those those are questions he's going to have to live with. Well, uh, those I, are decisions he's going to have to live I, with. I revisited this earlier in the week, and I don't want to come. This is a very difficult line to walk because, yeah. on the whole, I'm not critical of Mike Elias. Mike Elias built a, a very good foundation and a team that was yeah, ready to win. It's okay to it's okay on, to be critical or or debate certain and, decisions, and I think having a roster that included those two guys. Going into, especially the way Webb had pitched the last three or four weeks, was 
really debatable to me. You I, know. It's not to me about being critical as much as it's about recognizing. I when somebody asks me, do you think Michael Elias is a good general manager? I think he is, but what I don't ha- I don't know yet. Yeah. If Michael Elias is capable, particularly in whatever constructs he's going to be given moving forward, of going from foundation to penthouse. Yeah. And the first few moves that we have to look at from when the Orioles turned the corner a year ago. Mm-hmm. Not the, because everybody would point out, well, hey, the, the Lopez trade looks great. Right, but that wasn't for going to the penthouse. That was still kind of in the wheelhouse of what Mike Elias does. The next set of moves are, can you make the deft moves? If you're not able to spend the gobs of money, can you make the deft moves to find the difference makers at a value price to try to take a step forward. And Kyle Gibson didn't work, didn't pan out. He was not he was I think he was a I think he was a big step up from Jordan Lyles. But that's not making a step towards winning no, a World it's, Series. It's not, but he won fifteen games. But he pitched to a four seven three ERA. Like yeah, he won fifteen yeah. games because he got a ton of run support. Like he was he not got, he got run support, but I I thought he was a fine pickup. If they wanted to bring him back, I would have no problem with it next year. If they could bring him back without guaranteeing a spot in the rotation, like if they could bring him back and say, you got to compete, then I would listen to that. I, he's not going to do that. He, and I mean, that's, he's he's right. a proven Somewhere major league be, pitcher. He's not, he's not an ace, he's not, but he, he, he is a really solid human being. Oh, that part who, I agree yeah, wholeheartedly who. who who really brings a lot to the table. We talk a lot of times, can such and such mentor. Mm -hmm. I think his presence on the team was very valuable. It won't be valuable enough alone to bring him back, but I would have no problem with them having him back. The trade deadline is about as disastrous as it gets. This This was the first time under the microscope of needing to make serious because i can even give some partial to gibson of you're not planning on going to try to win a world series this year so in your mind you're just trying to get a veteran pitcher and you can say all the things that you said about him and they can be true and even if he wasn't particularly good which was evidenced by the fact that he wasn't going to be one of their three starters yep like you can still say all those things but now you knew you were under the microscope a little bit about making a step forward and you gave up real assets. Like that's the part that's I, difficult. I don't think I think it's the, not an overwhelming I, price. I think the play the Showalter kid may right. end up being a guy three years from now. We're going. Wait a minute. Where'd they get him? Wasn't mm-hmm. he in that? I think he was somebody. I don't expect Drew Rom to be a meaningful major league starting pitcher. And the other kid is. I've heard various things about Prieto. You know. So I, I'm not. I'm not that worried about giving him up. I hear you, but, but it was but still... But com- the composite of acquiring Cole Irvin, a pitcher they backed off on, it was almost like after two starts, they like looked around at each other, and this is not the way I feel. I think that Elias and... What did you do to get yeah, this, right. guy? this guy? I mean, they, they treated him like a redheaded stepchild. They all did. Year. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. And I think he's a competent major league pitcher, you know. Uh, a reliever? I don't... <laughs> I, I think Cole Irvin can be an innings eater. You know, remember, he pitched 177 and 181 innings in his two years in the Oakland rotation. That stuff that stuff matters to your bullpen being strong and fresh, you know. I, I, 
I know that's true. I feel like you're in a different world when you're trying to win a World Series. Yeah. That there are fewer – the value of just eating innings, it's got to be a better quality of the eating innings than what you would get from a Kohler. It would be very difficult for me at this point to sign up for Kohler of an eatings, innings eater as being a part of your rotation moving yeah, forward. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he'll be here. Yeah. Um, but, but the, but the Flaherty thing was – you know, an abomination, right? Like it was, it was about as was bad awful. of a move as you could possibly yeah. make. And as we said, it's juxtaposed against those things. Yeah. That's to me where Michael Elias goes under the microscope now, right? Like as much as we want to keep harping about signing, look, I want them let to me, sign. Let me guys. revisit Flaherty for one second, yeah. though. You remember I was because I'm always preaching about this guy could be a relief pitcher. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was saying it about ten days before they suddenly announced. You know what? We've talked to Jack, and he's on board with doing whatever it takes to help the team, so we're going to take a look at him in the pen. Right. He came in that night, am I right? Two two innings, innings, and gave up one run. It wasn't beautiful. Mm -hmm. Then we didn't see him until the last day of the season. Why wouldn't they have experimented by having him get up and get ready to pitch mentally three or four times in that two-week window they had? Maybe. Maybe he's the guy that could have come in instead of Brian Baker and at least left with it six to two, seven to two, not nine to two. Do you, you think know? it's possible that it's the same? He wasn't as on board as it was. No, I think he was. I, I think he would have done anything at that point to help the team. I really do. I I think it was really just odd. I I always yeah. worry that that's where like Jack Flaherty has the right like he's saying I want to do that but then yeah. there's somebody in his ear that's saying no it's very important that when we hit yeah. when we hit the market this offseason you're not a relief pitcher you're a right. starting pitcher right. so you can say you want to do all the right things yeah. to help the team but we're telling you it ain't going to work that way because you're going to the market as a starting pitcher and yeah. if you work the rest of the season as a reliever then everybody we talk to is going to say you're had, a reliever I I frankly don't think he had that much leverage in the situation and would have looked like a frankly an asshole uh, to, well, I, to it, a group of 25 other players I, that suddenly get wind of but didn't well, he, why aren't we using him you know as a relief pitcher you know didn't he kind of look like an asshole a few times i mean like i i he he's just never a different guy look he's he's extremely this is a guy who was on the verge he he never got to be quite as good as Matt Harvey was right. for three four years. Right. He had one year where he was as good as anybody in baseball, and he hasn't come back from those shoulder issues. He's exceedingly frustrated. Did I like his body language? Not particularly. He just never felt like a fit no. here. He it, it, never it, I felt agree. like I it agree. was working here. I'm also just talking. I wasn't talking about turning him into a reliever and signing him to a three or four right. year contract. Right. I was talking about how you if you if you couldn't sense that hey we are I didn't think Flaherty was going to be on the postseason roster. Oh I I mean until yeah. John Means and yeah. you know it, and it, and Fuji really right. kind of blew up a couple times and they said we can't have this happen in a short series. No, well, I thought once he went to the bullpen, that was his path to being on the roster. But Flaherty, yeah, yeah. But then, but then when they, they didn't, didn't use him. him. I yeah. I didn't know what the point was exactly. Yeah. What yeah. I, is he just there to be the guy that if you go into a seventeen inning game, he's the guy that that's goes out there much, for five that's innings. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and I look, I don't know any of these things, but the way whenever I see the awkwardness of this, it, it could be incompetence. It could be that not everybody is. But it seems more likely that there's more to the story. I compare it to the D.L. Hall thing. Yeah, I it, 
what we would have to assume with D.L. Hall is that there was essentially utter incompetence throughout the organization right. of the way that they handled it. And I don't think that that's reasonable to believe. So for me, it seems more likely that, that there was pushback there from was, the player. There was pushback from the player, that D.L. Hall wasn't as on board with that, yeah. or his team wasn't as on board with that right. as you would want him to be. And so it created this uncomfortable situation where the left and the right hand didn't appear to be talking to each other. Mm. Like, why are – what – now you're deloading after you – what the hell is going on here? Yeah. It feels like there's usually in those situations more to the story than just nobody knows what they're doing here. And that's the way it came off to me with Flaherty was just – maybe – You know, if, if you're correct about that – and I've heard, I've heard talks about the fact that he can be difficult. Um, you know – he wouldn't. He's not going to have a higher trade value than he just created for himself. If they decide, you know what, we'd be best be. You know, he he upped his value a good bit. There were some people that saw him pitch in the playoffs and said, "This guy's pretty good." Okay, yeah. all right. I'm um, not saying. Look, Brandon Hyde talked glowingly of him yesterday and said it was too early to talk about roles for people and all that you know but just i, I with can't Allie. fathom at this point that he can't accept that this is the role moving forward it would be crazy to me if he this deep into it still walked out and said yeah but i'm not doing that again right, next year right, right? Exactly. like i i can't imagine you are this deep into the process i think he liked being on those planes rather than the buses yeah i know. just can't fathom that you're still doing that yeah. and i i know again that his team might still be pushing back against it like but you're costing yourself money yeah. and you know yeah. you know what hey. happens if you push back for several years, you've really cost yourself money. A lot, Because right? you don't make the the money on the the reliever side, yep. and you've cost yourself three or four years. You know. I, I We will see. We will see how that plays out moving yeah. forward. But I have to think that at some point you sit down and you say, this is the best path for me moving yeah. forward. And especially because there is an opportunity for him to be a leverage, a a true difference maker, and those guys he's, get paid. He's like right below what an Andrew Miller right. is. You know. Right, and that's – Andrew Miller's made a lot of money. Pull up what Andrew Miller has made in his career, Griffin. I'm sure Andrew Miller made 70, 80 million I was thinking $80 million dollars yeah. is exactly yeah. the number that I was thinking for Andrew Miller. was $80 million. Now, maybe – A good th- producer would have known that. Yeah, right? Who doesn't know what Andrew right. Miller's career earnings right. are off the top of the, their head? Way to go, Griffin. Thanks uh, a lot. Let's see. Over All the course right. of his career? Yeah. Shouldn't there be? Oh, there we go. All right, hold on. Hold on. Uh, hold on. Salaries. This, this, went, this went swimmingly. Yeah, 78, 78 million. 78 million. Right 80 right million on, right bucks. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. 80 million Arthur bucks. Rhodes made like $60 million. 48 so or $60 million. You prove yourself to be a leverage, count, reliable, count on, late inning arm. Even if you're not the closer, the closer, right? You're going to make a lot of money yeah. in this sport. Yeah. I would think that this deep into it, DL Hall has to be looking at it and saying, "I get it." I would say that Andrew Miller probably has seventy-five million dollars more than DL Hall right now. Yeah, I mean, that's in his bank account, correct? That's the math. That's how that works. And that's so, seventy-eight. If he could put together the kind of career, the seven or eight-year arc. He'd probably make 90, 94 right. million dollars, yep. something like that. And hopefully, you would think he realizes, you know, he's really good friends with Gunner and Adley, and he just likes being in this clubhouse. He's yeah. just going to do what he can to, you know, stay I, around. These I guys. think he'll. Like he, I think that's what's how it's going to play out. To your point, would there the, the danger is is there a team that sees what DL Hall did and said, well, we'll let him. If you're willing to part ways, we would let him come down here. 
You want you want a big bopper for the middle of your lineup? Mm-hmm. We are so enticed by D.L. Hall, and if he really likes the idea of being a starter, and the Kansas City Royals, who feel like they're turning the page a little bit, and you know Bobby Witt has proven to be the guy. And they're going to give us Bobby Witt for well, I'm all in on that. I don't think it's going to be Bobby Witt. But you know what I mean? Like, Is there a team that would be out there that would sort of be the turd in the punch bowl a little bit here mm-hmm. because they start getting in D.L. Hall's team's ear, yeah. and they say – Somebody's going to say, well, that sounds like tampering. Yes, it is. That's the way that the sport works. That's, hello, good good to meet you. Is it possible? Sure, it's possible. Yeah. But you would think that at some point he would recognize there's a hell of a path forward for him yeah. and a lot of Especially money to be Especially with made. a winning team pitching four times, three, four times a week in meaningful games. And, you know, some of these players, they get addicted to the, the adrenaline. 100%, you know? right? It seems yeah. to be intriguing to them. Would so you what would be your you said your closer plan would be let them compete into the season next year? Yeah, I would I would think that this team between Fuji, Cano, Wells, and Hall. I was fascinated though by uh, listening to Smoltz so say that, you're, that you Wells would be would, more inclined to keep Wells in the bullpen. I would. I was back last spring. Yep. I, I said I'm not saying he doesn't have the stuff to be a good starter. I worry about durability with him. I think that's a proven open and shut case. John Smoltz, but the guy's 30 now. And John Smoltz did argue the case that it's actually harder on his body to being a relief pitcher. Well, if you're firing back. But but he did say say unless he's like sort of the the two or three inning guy. In other words, that's a role. That's a role. What was the heavy set guy? That we picked up in the um, when we traded Miguel Tejada. Oh God, he oh, was around uh, Albers. Matt, Matt Albers, yes. yeah. Matt Albers was pretty good for a couple years mm-hmm. in for other teams. He wasn't particularly good for the Orioles, but that kind of guy. Well, that's a valuable role. And as a matter of fact, the player that I'm talking about that I've already spotted. Um, okay, go ahead. I'm going to give you the name. Go ahead. It's the Minnesota Twins right-handed pitcher Kenta Maeda. Mm. Mm. Just give me, just give me before you look him mm-hmm. up, guys. Give me a figure, Griffin. What do you think he made this year? I actually was just looking at it, uh, so I think <laughs> okay. Don't <laughs> say it there. What do you think he was making this year? It's a Remember, really good. They question, acquired him Dan. from yeah. the Dodgers. I would assume that he was making. Ten million dollars this year. How about if I told you the most he's ever made in a season is three point two million? Is that real? Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Looked it up last night. Okay, that's interesting. Look at his numbers. He's got one bad game when he came back. Yeah, uh, gave up six runs in a game. His numbers, other than that one game, are quite. Quite interesting. Well, okay. So, uh, by the way, uh, today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in what a range. What reminded you of that? Kenta Maeda? No, I, I, had, I had to get to it. Uh, it's brought, yeah, the Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out Even buyatoyota. Even a personality like me? Yes, and it's very unique. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. I'll tell this story real quick before we get back to Kenta Maeda. Because you bring that up. When I first started with you guys years ago, someone said to me, well, you know, I, you're going to like Stan. He's got a quirky personality. But you're going to like it. I said, you know who I just was working with for the last six years. Stan's manna from heaven <laughs> in comparison. 
My God. Quirky. We had a couple moments, though. Well, we'll I know you thought I was. Of, we'll always have a couple of asshole. moments. Well, everybody, that. it'll always work yeah. that way. But I've always, you know, I've always liked you, even before we were here. I know. I've always liked you, Stan. Um, so let's go back for a second, right? Yeah. The bigger question to me is should the priority be pitching depth, starting pitching depth, or highest end of starting pitching? I still don't think this team is going to go now I think they could go out and get somebody on a one year that that would blow us away like wow we got him and like 18 million for one season mm-hmm. I think they are primed to possibly do that I don't see some 60 or 70 80 million dollar contract for a pitcher and I don't think they have to go that route I think in in Kyle Bradish and, Gr- and Grayson, and Grayson. And a little bit, Dean, I think they've got the makings there of a top end of a rotation, I would, especially in the case of Bradish. With, where I would be with Kramer is I think it's okay if he's your fifth starter next right. year. I'm not promising him anything. If you have the opportunity to upgrade, that to me is a I, – I don't have to run it back out there. with the, right. first, the three. There are three guys that have to be in your rotation a year from now. Everybody else is the it means Grayson and, and Bradish. Bradish, correct. Yeah. Everybody else is in the, and really, it's only Kramer that we're talking yeah. about of that group, right? Kramer is the. I would have no problem if he's in your rotation right. next year, but if the opportunity presented itself for you to say grab a Maeda and somebody else, right? I'm not really interested in Lucas Giolito, but let's just say the market were to crash for Lucas Giolito, and yes, we know he stunk this year, but you're sitting there saying, yeah, but it's Lucas Giolito, right? I'm not going to say no to taking a flyer on Lucas Giolito. Right. So if you were to put two other starting pitchers in there and that costs Kramer, I, I'm going to live with that. I don't I don't have to guarantee a spot for Kramer moving right. forward in the rotation. I think he can be, but I just don't have to guarantee it. If the Let me ask you a question. There. If you could get Clayton Kershaw to sign a one-year contract <sighs> in Baltimore as a free agent. Yes. Yes, of of course, yes. With that left now, field wall, I, yes. Yeah. But like we just saw how that hap- how that worked with Scherzer and and uh, Verlander in New York, and it, like you know them signing a very short term contract. And what do you mean? Working. What do you mean by well, that? Just just because they're them being older and. But it's not like they they stunk. Like I mean, you're, I mean, yeah. Kershaw is going to be measured now by that one game. Right, correct. I'm not doing that. Right. You know, I'm right. not no, saying I'm that them. that guy stinks. By the way, and I actually think that it's more the argument that the Mets stunk. The Mets right. were the problem. It wasn't that that was uniquely the problem. It was that the Mets weren't good. Um, so I would actually go the opposite way. <laughs> they're saying, I mean, they had I don't never. Black cloud. Oh my God! They really. <laughs> they're did. saying he's was, he's worth 37 million uh, this year. Kershaw would be. So first of all, I guess they'll never yeah, do. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. No, I don't think that's I'm saying, happening. I'm saying if he wanted to yeah, do right. one year at eighteen million dollars, yeah. he's not getting a lot of people offering him. Look, the Rangers oh, at a I certain will. point, the Rangers are still going to be paying Scherzer next year. They're going to be paying Ivaldi next year. They're going to be paying Heaney next year, and they're going to be paying a guy named Jacob Degrom next year. And do they year. care? They're not going to sign Kershaw next year. Yankees no, one. you're probably. But eh, I I don't know where the I don't know what the Yankees are going to be. I really don't. I have not gotten the feel for how this offseason is going to go for the Yankees to the point that the Mets we expect are not going to be swimming in big contract waters. That does take one team out of the equation. 
for guys that you could just throw money at. But could you also see if the number came down a little bit, could you then see Steve Cohen saying, "Well, if it's just one year and twenty-five million bucks, all right, right hell, yeah. let's let's bring well, him in here." Because he's got to bring point. interesting people. You know, it's New York, correct? You know. So I could still see them being a, a more minimal. I just factor. don't see him going to New York at this point in his career. I think a city. Everything he's heard about Hyde, yeah, everything they, he's seen with this team, they play great, great defense, which the Dodgers don't, true. day no. in and day out, don't play great defense. That's fair. That's in, fair. In my opinion. But you're inclined for it to be Wells. I am I am still torn about I have to admit, I'm still torn about Wells' role moving forward. Yeah. because I'm this, sure they're going to have internal discussions about that. And it is interesting to hear somebody who I respect as much as Smoltz so now you got to make him a... But, and, and it's easy for us to forget just how good he was yeah. for the first half of the season. Yeah. Like, it was nuts how good he was. So what do you do with that? Is that... Bradish was good for half of a season and Look, then turned into the had, best pitcher. Baseball had a lot of... It, this is not the only guy. Ivaldi broke down. Right. There's no question he had to go back to basics and... Mm-hmm. Re- get back up to where he is now. The Twins had a guy named Bailey Ober right. who was having a terrific season till the All-Star game, and then he just, out of the clear blue, was worthless for two months. Then he came back in September and was pitching pretty well. So let me go to the other side of the equation. Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with us. We're doing a deep dive about the Orioles. I feel like there's... Another layer to the offseason conversation, which is, do you believe they're going to pay all of the guys that are hitting? Do you want to go ahead and can we announce what our next print issue of Pressbox, which is going to hit newsstands next week? Do you want to yeah. tell everybody about it? Yeah, well, it's called The Survivors. Uh, we've got a neat piece of art done by John Panisi, uh, baseball cards of the four guys. Um, and Bautista and Means could have been part of that, but they, we knew Means when we were coming up with this, we knew Bautista was most likely not going to pitch, but these are players that came from the Dan Duquette regime that were carried over, uh, you know, not Manny Machado, not Scope, but these were the four guys that were left over from Dan Duquette's regime that, frankly, Mike Elias was really, cl- in a classy way, always gave Dan Duquette mm-hmm. credit by saying what made this, you know, this rebuild a little bit faster was the fact that we didn't have an empty cupboard mm-hmm. when I got here, that there was a, at least some players there. So the four position players. Yeah, that, uh, Mountcastle, Hayes, Satander, and Mullins. Yep, and it's a story from Todd Karpovich, and that'll be available on newsstands next Wednesday. Um, I, I feel it's like... It's actually going to be Tuesday. Tuesday now. Tuesday. Look at that. Tuesday is when it'll be available. Excellent. So I, I feel like that dovetails into the conversation about are they going to pay the arbitration figures for all of these guys, are they looking at certain spots and saying, we have to create, and I know this was addressed yesterday in the, yeah. the availability, do you need to move someone in order to create opportunities for everyday Heston Kerstad and Colton Kowser and Kobe Mayo? And I, I don't, this is actually quite interesting to me because I don't think you can coalesce around who it is that it's time to move on from, or I'm going to coalesce. I'm going to go back to, to where my, my usual whipping boy, I I saw the, I saw a reversion of Ryan Mountcastle in the postseason that he just got 
And I'm going to believe that Mike Elias and Brandon, as much as they love the kid and love the athleticism, that there's just too much swing and miss when when things matter to me. So moving forward, is O'Hearn still in the equation for you? I think O'Hearn's in the equation. I don't think they – don't get me wrong. I don't think they view I, – I don't think they're freaked out by his late season and postseason failings. But I think their eyes are open to the fact that, hey, we caught lightning in a bottle. I don't expect them to sign him to a four-year, $14 million mm-hmm. or something that really changes his life. I think he's going to come in, compete. I think he probably will make the team. He did an awful lot of good things for this team. So are you moving – let's go piece by piece yeah. here. If you move Mount Castle, yeah, and I've said before that I think you can do both things here. I think you're using the way to get pitching. If that's what you're looking to do in the trade market, is to acquire, you know, quality starting pitching. You're using Norby and Ortiz to do that. I don't think you get that for Mount Castle. I don't. It doesn't typically work out that there's a team that's so starved. But if you put for, a package together, well, you could do you maybe know. all of it at the same yeah. time. But I, to me, I think you could also do both things. Norby and Ortiz could be used for pitching. While you move other guys to try to fortify your minor league system, which suddenly is a little bit emptier than it's been for the last couple of years because all these guys are are getting here. So I think you could do this is the Tampa concept to me that you bring up, that you do both things. You both use where you have a stockpile of talent to improve your major league team, and then you use where you have a stockpile of major leaguers to try to fortify your system a little bit. I think there's an opportunity to do both. You move Mount Castle. Is Santander now your first baseman? Is Kerstad suddenly playing first base? Well, I'll tell you, the the kind of player I want, and I said it last year, is I look at the season Justin Turner had, and I know he'll be a year older next year. I think we are devoid of guys. Luke Luke and I talk. He uses the term dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Justin Turner is a dog. And I don't know that, you know, I saw him listed yesterday in CBS's free agent, but there's a there's an option there. Player. I think it's, it's thirteen thirteen point four million. Yeah, his that player option for thirteen. It's a 30. player option. So the only problem with that is he's not gonna he's not gonna not take thirteen four in order to, to come to the and, Orioles yeah. for ten. But would he come if the Orioles up that and said we'll give you Two, two for 24. Yeah. Now he's walking away from 24 versus 13. You know, does he want to bet on himself again? He's at the end of a terrific career. And remember, one thing the Orioles have now, it's not like we're only shopping for the Jordan Lyles of the world. We're shopping for guys that are really good players because they say, you know what? This wasn't a great team in Boston. I don't know whether it will right. be next year. I got a chance to win in Baltimore. I'm not opposed to it, but yeah. I, I think there are bigger. So, like, I, I'm not opposed to being in the Cody Bellinger market for what it's worth. Give right. me a left hand. Give me a left-handed power bat in the middle of this lineup. I'm. I'm not, I don't see us. No, again. I think the market will be too rich for Cody yeah. Bellinger. So I don't. Yeah. I don't think that will be the where the Orioles end up shopping. Right. But I'll come back to: Are you purposefully clearing out spots for 
these younger are you purposefully saying well remember we got a dh spot right turner can still play a little bit of third base i don't see urias back on this team no but you're presuming that holiday if he's not here on opening day is here i'm, I'm gonna think he's here there's By a good May. chance he's here in mid-may to june right and, something like you that. know they're saying all the right things about yeah. and this goes back to the debate about is it even to your advantage to not have him here on opening right. day any longer right, right. like We'll, we'll see. So, but I, I think I can get Gunnar Henderson and Jackson Holiday are the left side of your infield pretty early on next year. I can get I can get Justin Turner enough at bats between first base, DH, and third base. I can get him enough at bats. So let me switch from Turner specifically and say, yeah. are you clearing? Are you going in the next year saying Colton Kowser's got to have essentially every day at bats? Heston Kerstad has to have essentially every day at bats, and you know. I'm I'm not sure it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of baggage to un you know to open up and uh, you know because then you're really talking about having to to clear multiple spots yeah. adding in holiday adding in that Mayo will be here at some point next year I don't think that that's an opening day thing but he'll be here at some I point I think next he's year. probably the year after I think he's maybe a September call up next year uh, he didn't do phenomenally well at AAA now it's not surprising you know. What did he do at AAA, uh, Griffin? But do you have any suggestions? That you're I, asking the, me. I, I mean, who? Which? Which of these players do you move away from? I go back to. I think that now you're talking about a value proposition any longer. And as much as I don't want to move away from Santander, I could see Santander being the one that gives you the That's most your, value. Your in pricey. A, he's too pricey. And, and and value. Yeah. That to me ends up coming. And I hate that, right? Because yeah. I, I love Santander, yeah. and I think that he is a kind of a perfect fit for this team. Yeah. But if you are committed to and prioritizing. These guys, we're, we're not going to just have a bunch of guys on the team. Colton Kowser's an everyday player. He's got to have a spot to play. I, unfortunately, the value at the moment for Cedric Mullins isn't great because he's coming off the injury and looked terrible. Now, I also like Cedric Mullins a lot, and what he does, it, we can squint and say we think that you have pieces in this in this organization that can do about what Anthony Santander does, if not on the higher end, more than what Anthony Santander does. But we're also talking about how do you make this lineup a little tougher, a little bit more seasoned, and you're talking about giving up probably the most veteran. No how old is Santander? 29? That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. yeah, they're all 28, you're talking yeah. away. You're talking about giving away one of the guys that is one of your dogs, I, so I, to speak. I agree, and that's And what I'm not saying difficult. you're wrong. I'm just saying, how do you how do you fill in these young guys? Give them the playing time we say they need, and they're bursting, you know. So the default um, would be then to say that Hayes is the like that you move. I don't know, and I don't know, and Hayes is the one that's been the most Jekyll and Hyde, probably of the group, probably still gets looked at. Again, does do these guys do something that nobody else does? Until Enrique Bradfield is here, no one can play center field like Cedric Mullins plays center right. field, right? You can't. Except for one aspect. His his throwing is to me is a real problem long term. I thought that before. Yeah. I, I until like it it just, just wasn't. It, I, this I, year it, like I still don't think he has a strong arm, but at no point when when he was Tested. I just see I just see the runners going from first to Oh, they're third. trying every time yeah. and yet this year it's the tide started to turn yeah. and it wasn't the factor. But no you can't replace that range. There's nothing He's a you terrific can do center field. to replace yeah. that range. Yeah. So and the 
the value is down a little bit at the moment. Right. So I don't think now is the time to move on from Cedric Mullins because I just don't think you can recoup what it would be worth, and you're going to lose. You're going to take a step backwards. Mm-hmm. Austin Hayes could play center field. Colton Cowser could play center field. But they maybe Austin Hayes is the guy to move on from, and Cedric Mullins moves from center to left, and Cowser suddenly his arm is no longer that big an issue because the throws are much shorter. That throw from right center to third, it just no, it's ain't happening. I, I get it. I get it. I I I would be surprised if they made it immediately. I, I that I just think that they value the cent- the defense, yeah. the coverage, the ground in the center of the field so highly that But Cowser and Mullins shouldn't be that big a difference from Hayes and Mullins. It You're saying on, on I, I just think they prioritize center yeah. Right now, like that ground that's covered because it's up the field, like the catcher, shortstop, second base, center field. So what thing, would you do with Kowser, left field? I would play Kowser in left okay. field at that point to start, yeah. right? And if you get to the point where you just say, look, the arm is, it's killing right. us, then flip-flop the two and go that Do you route. see Hicks back on this team next year? Not really. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't either. And again, it's not like one I'm in, I mean, I love the switch hitter. Right. I love how he works the count, but... The injuries to me are just, you know, you sign you sign him up for say four million dollars, and suddenly you get a hundred games out of him. Now that that might be doable. What uh, what? By the way, did you pull up Kobe Mayo's numbers, Griffin? Uh, yeah. Sorry, hold on. Okay, we all it. all over it. We yeah, are good well-oiled machine around here. I've got it. Don't worry. Yeah. Two sixty-seven, three ninety-three, five twelve were his. Where his OPS was nine oh five. Sorry. He must have picked up the last month. Um, 12 home runs in 62 games, 55 RBI. He definitely seemed to adjust yeah. well yeah. to the point. I don't I don't think that opening day is what – Jackson Holiday could be here opening day. Yeah. I don't see any path that Kobe Mayo is on the team on opening no, day. I don't know. But either. I don't know that I think that it's a late season thing either. I think if he continues – If he has a monster first two months, yeah, he'll be yeah, pushing I, it. I think that's a mid-season type of thing for yeah. Kobe Mayo, which doesn't mean that you have to guarantee a spot for right. him and make your decisions that but way. But the team you're sort of projecting, though, becomes even younger than it is now. And I think that that's a recipe – for an inability to win a World Series next year. I think it's got to be both, though. Like, I think you're both trying to get younger and at the same time, to your point, how do I, if I'm moving on from, say, a Santander, how am I finding an even better bat for the middle of yeah. the lineup? And, and I think what, you, what you'll see that you'd love about Turner when you look at his numbers is Santander high end this year, and he ended up having a big slump, didn't he, in September, too? Yeah. But but his his on base percentage was probably three twenty five. I'm guessing mm-hmm. for this year. That's uh, that sounds right. But I'll let him confirm it. So so that's high end for Santander. Look at Justin Turner's even at the age of what thirty seven this year. I, but are you worried at all about putting a right handed bat that's already declining a little bit power wise and trying to count on it here in Baltimore anymore? Not not really because of the other stuff he does. I, I'm not saying that's not yeah. valuable, but especially if we're in a world where you're moving on from, say, a Santander, I think you've got to have a big thumping left-handed bat somewhere in that lineup, and this is what makes all... I, I I'm, am, a, I'm anxious to watch Michael Brantley play 
during the mm-hmm. postseason. Mm-hmm. He's somebody I'd have to know more about his shoulder injury. Okay. I'd be willing to bet that they'd be moving on from Michael Brantley. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that being and I could see him being an interesting again, put yeah. a, a left handed bat. Yep. Yeah. I'd 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 listen to it. I'm I'm certainly not expecting there to be any power from that's the difficult part with Michael Brantley. In I, in our in our ballpark he could still hit for some power, you know. Santander was 325 on base. Uh, Turner was 345. They both slumped pretty bad in September. However, yeah. okay, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. But I, what's what's uh, Turner's career? Turner's career 365 is yeah 363. Right. I think that they are. It'd be interesting to me if they have already predetermined some of these decisions mm-hmm. versus they're keeping an open mind and saying on both ends. We're going in to this offseason listening on a lot of guys mm-hmm. at the same time as not fully committing to we have to have spots cleared. It might be that in their mind this is a good problem to have, to have too Look, many. Look, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having uh, Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, Kobe Mayo, and uh, – and Jackson Holiday. That's, no, I wouldn't be yeah. mind that at all. No, I, and I'm Enrique saying, Bradford. Or I'm saying all of that. They're saying we're not. We don't feel like we have to move on from these veterans. They don't guys. have to. That's why they they've got to be smart and strategic. And that's one thing I think that Mike Elias will be. By the way, getting back to Jack Flaherty, I understand the Orioles were very much in the Jordan Montgomery talks, but they wanted Cade Povich, and the Orioles weren't willing to give Cade Povich up. For for two months of of Jordan Montgomery and then having to rebid for him, right? You know, and I'm and I'm inclined to say I get it. I get that. And at the I same time, that. but the move that you made was was that, awful. Was was was, awful. Was, yeah. was awful, and that's the difficult yeah. part about judging yeah. it. Um, I I don't I don't have a great feel for what this is going to be, and obviously they are being about as coy as they possibly can be. Oh, they they are tight-lipped and, uh, you know, look, while for the media it's not the most exciting thing in the world to get these sort of unsexy answers, Mm -hmm. Mike Elias, he's very, very disciplined about this. Do you? There's no leaks in this team whatsoever. Do you think that's because they know what the plan is moving forward? No, I think they're scared to death of somebody going out. Brandon made the point yesterday that I don't – you, you get the sense that Michael Elias wants his opinion on mm-hmm. things, but he said, that is not my, I am here to manage what they give me, you know, and there'll be a time where I'm called in maybe to recruit a free agent or sure. something like that. But, and I'm sure they they ask him like, Hey, what do you think of this player? You'd be dumb not to ask your manager, but he doesn't inject himself the way Buck Showalter would or Earl Weaver would in mm-hmm. his day, mm-hmm. going in and telling Hank Peters, get me Earl Williams, and I'll win you a couple World Series. I could see if Brandon Hyde would be fr- – if Brandon Hyde is, goes in and says, look, man, I, you know this isn't my world, but I just don't want to have less than what I have now. Yeah. And and if you're going to move on from guys, like please tell me that there's going to be – you're coming back with something with dogs. too. Correct. Dogs. 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 You got to have a dog. Griffin, you want to tell everybody what's going on at Live Casino and Hotel? 
Yeah, maybe luck wasn't on your side in a recent bet at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The Chiefs covered last night. It was 10.5, yes, wasn't did. it? Yeah. So they, they eked out a cover. 11. I can't yeah. imagine there were a lot of Broncos betters maybe, last night. Maybe you parlayed, you know, like a divisional series parlay, and you had like the Astros, which was good, but then yeah. you had the Orioles, mm. the Braves, and the mm. Dodgers. Well, get ready to turn those losses into winning opportunities with the second chance to win promotion between now and January 4th, 2024. All live casino and Hotel Maryland Rewards members will be able to enter their losing bet slips into the second chance to win drum in two nights a week. 20 different winners will be chosen. Prizes ranging from live casino and Hotel Maryland apparel, sports and social ultimate happy hour prizes, and cash and free play worth up to $500. Drawings will be held every Thursday and Monday at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Adirondo Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLING. When we come back in, Stan wants to tell you about his favorite new baseball broadcaster, the the, the guy that has really burst on the scene and is making a difference as an analyst. He <laughs> wants to talk about that. Plus, we're going to get a tidbit tubular, and before we wrap up the show, we will chat with Noah Eagle ahead of Maryland, Illinois tomorrow. That's all on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution, and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Library. Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland Open. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food? Check. Quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. 
The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Serps at PressBoxOnline.com. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org hotels. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's pretty good. But hey, you're already here now, so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to GCR? All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Friday edition of the program. Stan the Fan is here. Tyus Bowser show is back this coming Tuesday night. We'll be at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. Come join Tyus and his special guest as uh, hopefully we'll be discussing a big win in London. Tyus Bowser show is brought to you by AJ Michaels. HelpMyGamblingProblem.org and Superbook Sports. Find out more. PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. Tuesday night, Mother's North Grill and Timonium for the next Tyus Bowser show. Stan, you've got a, a, you know, a new favorite. We were talking to John Smoltz earlier. I know we all like John Smoltz, but yep. you say there's one better now. There is a new breakout star of this postseason well, he uh, hasn't. He's not doing the color analysis well, right, or in game studio work. But, he's but just top notch. He just blows me away. His energy and his insights to Derek Jeter oh, is just best. unbelievable. Just I, I respected him a great deal as a player, but he adds so much terrible. to the conversation. So terrible. Um, I, by the way, that's not surprising but, to me whatsoever. I I get that they're going with baseball. I don't know what happened. And maybe it's just that he's so relevant in New York, they kind of don't care about how the rest of the country feels right. about it. But it's the Derek Jeter. We just had this conversation again the other day because I, I, I was comparing it to like the talk about Dak Prescott. Rita and I were, Rita said, it feels personal the way that people talk about Dak Prescott. Who was the San Fran? Dante Whitner, I think, is an um, analyst out in oh, San yeah. Francisco, yeah. who after the game last week just said, Dak Prescott sucks. And, like, objectively, Dak Prescott doesn't suck. LaShawn well, McCoy is doing the same thing, I think. Right. Like, like it, on, he's, a, he's not a top-five NFL quarterback. He's not – but he doesn't suck. He's, like, talking he about him – some throws, though, that are head-scratchers to I, me. I get it, but yeah. he's a talented, capable quarterback who's just not probably going to be good enough to lead you to a championship. Correct. But he doesn't – instead of saying that, instead of saying appropriate right. things about Dak Prescott – 
We go to the next step. We trash Dak Prescott as if he was garbage. Right. Like he was Mitchell Trubisky is how we talk about him. Right. And it's weird, and I get that. And I said to Rita, I think part of that is we're just sick of having the Cowboys forced down our effing throats. Like at every turn, every time you turn on a national TV window when your team's not playing, it's here's the next Cowboys game or here's the next New York team game. And we're just so sick of it that we end up taking it out on them, right? Like instead of having a reasonable conversation. I hear you. The Jeter thing has been forced on us. Derek Jeter is, by all means, a Hall of Fame baseball player. No question is an about exceptional it. player. Nothing more, nothing less. And they don't, tr- they talk about him like he was the greatest player of an era, which is bat ass nonsense. I, I don't know that he was a top five player of the era. We'd have to really sit down and, and parse that through and try to figure out what he was. Derek Jeter was talked about. They did a seven part documentary on Derek Jeter like he was Michael Jordan. He's never been that guy. He's a very good baseball player, but he is not Barry Bonds. He's not the greatest players in the history of the sport. He was the captain, though. He was the captain. And so it's just permeated. He matters in one market, so we're telling you he matters, whereas the rest of us are like... Can you tell me what goes on? And I'm not saying I hate the commercial... The commercial now with his wife yeah, in it, the car and in the him hall, in the yeah. car, yeah, drive in overnight. The, yeah, you know, but, but women is he is he about to take off on the plane? I'm I'm confused so. what I goes on. It's like the weather, and they're looking up right. at the weather, and he's like there with a Bet, private gotta, jet. Gotta get home. Gotta, gotta get home. But is he renting that car or is that his car? <laughs> he, went and, he went out and bought a Jeep Wagoneer. And, that seems likely. Yeah. For and then he, and he sees the wolf. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Dude, I, I am with you. He has yeah. brought nothing. It is, and I'm, But I'm just not surprised. But at no point has Derek Jeter ever been this particularly compelling media. He's dated a lot of famous women, and yeah, that made has. him a tabloid interesting yes, for some time. But it's not because he's... I hate him because I'm jealous of him. Uh, don't get me Let's wrong. I mean, by God, I wish that I had his body count. Don't get me wrong. I'm all in on that. Yeah, Jeets, let's do the whole thing. But for I just the, the way the reality of Derek Jeter versus the way he has been propped up yeah. to be this larger than life thing that exists in one place. It would be like us trying to get everyone in all of baseball to care about Eddie Murray the way that we care about Eddie Murray. Hell of a player. By the way, let's have a real conversation. Better all-around baseball player than Derek Jeter. Really. Really. But it would be like trying to ask someone in Sheboygan to care deeply about Eddie Murray. They would just say, yeah, he was a good baseball player, but like, he's just kind of a guy to me. In the rest of the country, no one cares about Derek Jeter the way the people in New York care yeah. about Derek Jeter. Yeah. He doesn't carry that cachet the way that they these networks want him to. Yeah. He just isn't that guy. And to your point, awful. Awful. Just awful. awful. Offers nothing. Zero. And this is the bit where, like, it's even worse because Alex Rodriguez is good at this. Like, Alex Rodriguez is a smarmy unlikable dude that has proven to be good yeah, as a baseball analyst. Yeah, and he's got charisma. You yeah. Know. It, it is. And it's worked. not like Derek isn't as attractive as Alex. No. Rodriguez. Yeah. He just doesn't have the personality. It's not there. There's I mean, they did it. a thing at the end of the broadcast the other night. I think it was two nights ago or something. 
David Ortiz was doing like a little dance, and they were all laughing. But there was right in the middle, the one guy not laughing with his hands in his pockets. Was Jeter. Was uh, Derek Jeter. Lame. I guess he was worried about how he was going to get home. Yeah, I think. By the way, I think he'll be okay not being good at being an analyst. I think he'll be all right in his life. He wasn't good as a baseball owner. He's not good as an analyst. I think he's still going to be okay. I don't know whether he was good or bad at the baseball owner thing. He clearly. uh, Well, I guess depends on what you're measuring it by, right? He clearly didn't have. that was a that was a no win situation. For I him. don't disagree with that, and I I just think that it was pretty clear that like it was a bad spot for the Marlins that he probably should never. Right. Levitar did it, a whole thing. Remember, Levitar grilled uh, Manfred about it at the time. Like, right. did did you know when they took over that they were going to be cash strapped on day one, right. and that they were just going to essentially say we don't have any money, we can't right. pay anybody? Like, was that? How did you allow that as an owner? And it's a fair question. Anything else going on in your world? Anything else that you're not really just uh, just uh, toddling through? You'll Crazy still be week. you'll still be doing the Monday chats. Yep, still doing the Monday and uh, newsmaker sometime later in the week. We'll continue the, to the do Monday the Monday segments with Stan or with Luke and Ross. Will continue through the off season yeah. every week. I'm sure we'll filter in a little bit more of visiting some old teammates sure. of Ross's and. Uh, and those, I'm fine to have Luke on those. Luke seems to say, you know, nah, I'll back out when you when you have a guest on. But we'll, I want to do a special couple weeks out on Brooks. Okay. I want to get like three teammates, you know, maybe like Palmer, DeSensei's and Singleton or Bobby Gritch. Something I'd really like to dig into Brooks a little bit. Very cool. But that's every Monday, Stan yep. Ross and Luke, Facebook. Roughly four o'clock-ish. We're, we're aiming for. Very good. And I've got Buck Davidson, one of the riders that will ride in this year's uh, five, star. five star. It starts a week from yesterday, the 19th. Are you going out? What days are you going I out? go Thursday and Saturday. Right. I'll try to go with you on Thursday. Okay. I will try to clear everything out yep. so that next Thursday works. Yep. Um, I got a couple of football games next week I got to work around, but I think I can make Thursday happen. All right. All right let's get a tidbit. Be prepared. It's the time to get out there is something. It's like an from yeah. Here, I guess I don't think about that. It's, right? a, it's like an hour and twenty minutes or an hour and ten minutes. You know, it doesn't seem like it's possible for anything to be that far away. And but but you I, going home, you probably chop twenty five minutes probably, off. Of I don't that. know. I would probably take duck back ninety five down to one fifty two to go home. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna come out though. I'm gonna come out. And I think the date's gonna be Thursday. I think that's okay. just the way it's gonna work out for me. Tidbit is brought to you today by, ooh, this one's brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Before you do Tidbit, really quickly, because we mentioned the next print issue of PressBox, these are the final days for you to go get this one. If you haven't picked it up yet, get to your neighborhood Royal Farms. It'll be gone after this weekend, so go get it right now. Uh, the Chiefs and Broncos, they did play last night. And the Chiefs, of course, did win, extending their winning streak against the Denver Broncos to 16 straight victories over wild, the Broncos. It is tied for the third longest win streak versus a single opponent in NFL history. I still feel like we could use a little more you, Griffin. Uh, I wasn't as close to the mic that time. Maybe, uh, that was on me. maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Um, you want to try to guess what two teams had a longer win streak against one team? I mean, yeah, it's a guess. That's utter guess. The was one of them the Patriots? Uh, no, the Patriots not on there. All right, Which was one of them the, the Cowboys? No, 
49ers. There you go. 49ers. Had a win streak against the Cardinals. Not the Cardinals. I guess we got to go back to the old divisions because Ye- the 49ers, the Cardinals were actually in the East. God, I can't remember the old divisions. No. Where, who well, was? it's a team that's in their current division. Oh, it's a team in Seattle? Not Seattle. Rams. Yes, the Rams. The Rams. In the 90s, How they many? won 17 straight. Wow. The Niners did against the Rams. Do you, who, do you know who else was in the West at the time? Do you remember? So remember, Dallas and Arizona, or Phoenix, were in the East with New York, Washington, yeah, Philadelphia. Philly, right. What the hell? Oh, God. San Francisco was in the same division as Atlanta. The uh, Falcons yes. were right. in the NFC right. West. West. Right. That made a the lot Cardinals of and the Cowboys were in the East. East. Right. The Falcons were in the NFC West. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. And, uh, the Cowboys that's, are that's in that's the East. That's a good one. East. Yeah, the Cowboys yeah. are in the East currently. They're still in the East, yes. Not in the, the South, right. Um, and then once, yeah, you, once you, in, in hindsight, you'd say, why wouldn't Carolina say be in the east? Yeah, and the Cowboys could be in the south, right? They're right next to New Orleans, but they were kind of grandfathered into the east, basically. Right. Uh, this team won twenty in a row against the Bills from nineteen seventy. Yes, yeah, the Dolphins. Yes, the Dolphins yep. in the seventies. Yeah. Um, do you want the you want the baseball postseason multi home runs tidbit or a tight end tidbit? Oh, we were gonna do that. Yes, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Okay. All that. right. So uh, Nick Castellanos actually adds his name to this list now. That's right. Uh, with another multi home run game, he is also the first player in MLB history to have multiple home runs in back to back playoff games. First player ever, right? First player ever. Yes. Back to back games with multiple home runs. Where did he hit that ball? That second <laughs> ball. Was just I thought that was going to the next deck at one point. Yeah. Uh, 22 guys all time have hit uh, multi have had multiple home runs in more than one playoff game in um, a in a series in all time and only in their career oh. yeah, they've their had career. multiple games with multiple home runs correct uh, since 2009 have done it including the Castellanos Can you 22 name? since 2009 no 22 all time. All time. Yes, nine since 2000. Okay. So can you name the other eight? I mean, I feel like it's going to be some of the same guys that were on the list yesterday. Uh, um, yeah. Manny Ramirez. Uh, Manny Ramirez misses the cutoff. Really? Yeah, because he, so, he had games in the 90s. That, oh, okay. How, so about, uh, how about Justin Turner? Uh, No, not Justin Turner. Altuve? No, not Altuve. Oh, this is really surprising now. Jordan Alvarez? Uh, no. Why is Jordan Alvarez? Yeah, Jordan Alvarez isn't. Only one. Alex Bregman. Uh, not Alex Bregman. Correa. Carlos Correa. Had to get there eventually. Name all the Astros yeah. and we'll get there. Does have multiple games. Not to say Gurriel. That was just one. <laughs> that was right? Yeah. We really, we, <laughs> we're we, really. We, we shot our wad on that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bern, no, Bernie Williams would have been in the 90s. God, yeah, this is going to drive me nuts. Since 2000? Yes, since 2000. Pujols. Uh, no, not Pujols. Shipper Jones. Think, it's got to be somebody. Shipper Jones would be on the other lists. Yeah. What, before, before 2000? Before 2000, yeah. Maybe okay. I should have done the 13 How guys about before. A ba- David Ortiz? Uh, no. What? Ortiz. <laughs> what is this list? This guys with multiple home runs. Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> no, not Alex Rodriguez. Still somehow Barry Bonds. No, not Barry Bonds. I don't think he's on Hit either. the longest home run I've ever yeah. seen in a World Series. I oh, still don't think that ball's landed. I'm going to stop guessing incorrectly. <laughs> what the? we got to come up with these. Uh, uh, all right, all right. Uh, is one of them a Boston Red? 
Wait, wait, wait. Let's work through this. Yes, that's a good way to do Is this. Is one of them a Boston Red Sox? Uh, he was. Um, I'm not sure what team he did. Was this he way. was when he did it? Mitch Moreland. I can't. I'm, I, can't I don't know because he's been with. He's been on the playoffs with multiple teams, and so it's not Moreland. It's not Moreland. No. So we, so we did the Phillies. Yesterday. Pierce. Uh, not Pierce. Not Steve Pierce. We did the Phillies yesterday. Remember? So there's. Oh, okay. So Utley. Utley, yes. Okay. Howard. Uh, uh, no, not multiple times. Only one game for Ryan. Howard. Worth. Jason Worth multiple times. Any more? Uh, no. Okay. Two Phillies. Now back to the, the red. The Red Bryce Sox Harper has won for what it's so. He the Red Sox, but it might not be the Red Sox. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's been on the Red Sox. Jacoby Ellsbury. Not Jacoby Ellsbury. Uh, he was on the Dodgers Victorino. this season. Uh, Be- no, it's Shane Betts. Victorino. No, not Mookie Betts. He's on the Dodgers this year. He's a, this one's very random. Enrico Hernandez? Yeah. Ke- yeah. Enrique Hernandez yeah. has had multiple games. I knew it. Yeah, he had it all along. <laughs> all right, Yankees. Are the oh, Yankees? Sorry, there's one, yeah. more, uh, one more one, former Astro. Former Astro. One more Astro. Former Astro. Jesus. Uh, 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 former. More. Oh, um. Michael Brantley. Not Michael Brantley. Oh, he's a you said a former. Astro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one more former Astro. Springer? Yes, George Springer. Okay. Multiple games, multi home runs All in right. the playoffs. All right. Is there are there are there Yankees on the list? No Yankees on are the list. Are there Blue Jays on the list? No more Blue Jays. Is there a Cub on the list? No Cubs. Giants. <laughs> no Giants. What are we doing? He was a uh he was a New York Met. New York Met? They're not time. normally good in the yeah, playoffs. In the mid mid to late two thousands, and then he ended his career with the Astros. So I don't think he had any multi home run games with the Astros. But Beltran, Carlos Beltran, yes. Carlos Beltran, that's a good one. So we were okay. missing. Carlos Beltran has three okay. uh, multi home run. Braves. Games. We've got so six Braves. of them. There's a Brave in one there. One more Brave. Uh, one Brave. Is it Acuna? Not Acuna. Is it a current Brave? It is Ozuna. Brave. Yes, Marcelo yeah. Ozuna. And then I this knew guy, it. he was a tidbit. I forget what the question was, but uh, he he's a. He's an angel. Angel. Tim Salmon. Not Tim Salmon. That played, in, but this is in the playoffs. Yeah. So he didn't do it with the Angels. Well, they. We could go back they, to that. Okay. Yeah. Remember, uh, they won a World Series. JT Snow. Not JT Snow. How about Troy Gloss? Troy Gloss. Ah, nice there you call. go. Well done. Nice. nice. I knew it. Most yeah, all nice. time with multi home run game. Most games all time is Babe Ruth. Four multi home <laughs> run games. <laughs> is he any good? But we only have eight of the nine. Nick Castellanos. Yeah, okay. finishes the oh, list. Okay. Yeah, yes. finishes the list. All right, that was an adventure. <laughs> that was very adventurous. That may have prompted the most wrong right? guesses we in the history of GCR. All over the place. Uh, don't forget that uh, you can sign up today at Superbook. Use the codes GlennClark23 or StanCharles23. We won't be offended if you use the other one. I mean, I definitely won't come seek you out and beat you up at your house. That won't happen. Use whichever one you'd like because you get the same offer either way. Same day, first bet match, up to $250, win or lose. So, for example, this weekend you sign up, you throw $250 in that old till, and then you wander out and you say, let me take a look at that Ravens line. Let me see. Oh, it's gone up to 4.5, huh? Well, I liked it at 3.5. I don't know if I like it at 4.5 anymore. So you bet the Titans, and you lose. It's all good, man. You still get $250 worth of free bets right back just because you use that code, GlennClark23 or StanCharles23. Download the Superbook app. Go to Superbook.com right now to get signed up. Tubular is brought to you by Guilford Hall Brewery. Speaking of the Ravens, this is the place to be on Sunday. If you're ready for the biggest game day party in Baltimore, join us at Guilford Hall Brewery. 
this Sunday, October 15th, for the official Ravens London game watch party. Getting started early with live music, bottomless mimosas, unlimited Guilford beer, Dunkin' Coffee and Signature Cocktails, games, the Kid Zone, appearances from special guests, including Ravens legend Jimmy Smith, Ravens cheerleaders, the Marching Ravens band, and Poe. Doors open at 8 a.m. Those all-you-can-drink tickets still available at guildfordhall.com. 30 bucks for all-you-can-drink beer, and they're open until 9 o'clock. Like, do that math real quick. Spend the entire day watching football at Guilford Hall. Uh, also, you can rally your flock. Get to Guilford Hall on Sunday. It's free to the public. All-you-can-drink wristbands available for purchase at guildfordhall.com. There's also another option. I think it's $35 to do beer and mimosas. Wow. So, man, get do, on that right do now. Do either of you have a Minnesota twin Chicago White Sox? Um, I, I am drawing such a... What, Alexi Ramirez? I don't know. Was he a twin? I don't know. Alexi Ramirez. Twin? No. Um, was Mike Pagliarulo a White Sox? He might, play, he might have played for the Was he a White Sox? Boy, he would be like a 0.2%. God, was he a White Sox, though? I can't... I'll, I'll find out. All right. Hold on. I, why do I feel like he was? Uh, I know he was a twin. Yeah, he was not a White Sox. <laughs> Don't use him. He was definitely not a White Sox. Why am I blanking on this? Why am I struggling with a twin White Sox? Yeah, it feels like such a... Right? Like Was Adam... No. A twin. Yeah, I don't think Adam Dunn ever played know, with the twins. This is nuts. All right, give me a minute. We'll keep thinking about this. The, you meantime, know, every time there's one of these yeah. grid, there's always like so, some of them... Like seven of them are going. Who played for this? Right. And this? But but a lot of times it's just one. I mean, I've I've got nine, not eight of the nine people. I got one guess left, twins, and I cannot think of a. Twin. Why am I struggling so much with this? Twins, White Sox. Why never pitched for the White, White Sox, Sox? I don't think so. No. I'm trying to think of a pitcher who might have pitched. Uh, I'm gonna try. Oh, I got one. Go ahead. A guy that was in the news a lot this year. Because he, I think, cancer. Uh, Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks. Uh, wasn't okay. He was a twin, right? Wasn't he a twin? Wasn't he a twin? Yeah. I'm yeah. not... Uh, wasn't yeah, I don't no, know now I'm confused. Uh, yeah, right? I know he was a... We got him from the Blue Jays. <laughs> I, I don't... I is, think... Though. I could have sworn that he was a twin. I'm pretty sure you're right. Oh man, this is way more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Did uh, I have one other idea? Yes, yes. He, <laughs> he was a, okay. All right, very good, very good. Tell me if tell me if Jim Tomey was both was with the Twins at one point because I know he was I a White Sox. Was. I think he was with the Twins too. He was, yes, in, the, in 2011. Right. Yes, yeah, so Jim right. Tomey. All right, there you well, go. That's who I'll use because I think uh, right. Liam Hendricks. Right. because of the recency bias thing, man. All right, very good. Here's what's coming up this weekend, totally tubular-wise. Not a lot tonight. The Capitals play their first game of the season tonight, 7.30 against the Penguins on ESPN Plus and Hulu. Uh, Maryland Field Hockey takes on Michigan at 4 on the Big Ten Network, so block out the rest of your day for that. Uh, Tomorrow, college football. NBC's got Illinois-Maryland at 7.30. Navy's at Charlotte at 2. It's only on ESPN Plus. The big games tomorrow, uh, USC-Notre Dame, 7.30 on NBC. And then the really big one tomorrow, of course, is on ABC. Oregon-Washington at 3.30. He he was, Jim Tomey was, but he was surprisingly, he was 24%. Jesus. It doubled my Wow. Total. It really ruined everything. Thanks, the hell? Thanks, Thanks for nothing. Thanks, Griffin. 
Sunday morning, NFL Network, and if you don't get NFL Network, WBAL 11 for Ravens-Titans at 9.30 a.m. Um, the TV games locally in the afternoon, Fox 49ers-Browns at 1, Eagles-Jets at 4.25, CBS Commanders-Falcons at 1. Of course, Sunday night, NBC for Giants-Bills. And I know this isn't tubular, but yeah, it's on the radio. Mm-hmm is Concordia against... Um, it's just streaming. Well, streaming. streaming on yeah, YouTube. Well, it's, yeah, right streaming. Yeah. For Concordia. Well, I've, t- I've talked to Chuck. Was, yeah, work on yeah. that, right? Work on getting some clearance. Concordia St. Mary's, right? Uh, yes, Concordia St. Mary's. Yeah. B-conference that's, What's that's the spread the in that game? Yeah, what is... Uh, go, what to is Superbook. go to Superbook. Yeah. See if we can pull that up. Uh, game one of the ALCS, Sunday night, 8-15 on Fox uh, between the Rangers and Astros. We know Justin Verlander is pitching for Houston. They haven't announced yet in Texas, but... Mm. I assume. I would think they'd do the same thing they did in game one uh, last year. Do the Dunning and Heaney thing. Yeah. Evaldi would be ready to go, right? That's a, that's a thing. Now, but doing just Dunning yeah, and Heaney, Heaney they're a package deal. That's the way that it works. They're actually going to be on Kimmel together later tonight. <laughs> um, and ABC for game three of the WNBA Finals as the Vegas Aces try to close out the New York Liberty Sunday at 3 o'clock on ABC. Did you know that... Kelsey Plum is married to former Raven Darren Waller. I did yeah, not. Yeah, no, that. I think I, I did yeah, not know that. I, I just think, learned uh, that they this got week. married over the summer. Yeah, right? I yeah. did not realize that. Yeah. It's kind of wild to me. All right, anything They're non-sports? In, or I got, oh, it worked out when Waller. Yeah, was Waller in Vegas. was in Vegas. Right yeah, now he's in New York. Yep. Uh, anything non-sports? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big weekend. I guess nature is healing. You know, they bring shows and actors still aren't working. Yeah. A uh, new episode of Gen V on Prime Video. Also, a movie called The Burial, which uh, looks pretty good, actually. It's based on a true story. Jamie Foxx plays a lawyer. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is in it, is like his clients, and I can get into it, but just go check it out. The ba- The Burial on Prime Video. Um, Goosebumps, new series. There, like a new series of Goosebumps is coming out on Disney Plus and Hulu, uh, where it's like you know more more modern, um, but it's Goosebumps. It looks tra- they're playing sure. Travis song, Travis Scott's uh, song Goosebumps. So uh, how about the that? Trailer. How funny. about that? Do either you have Apple TV? Yes. Not anymore. I canceled it again. You canceled it. Again. Yeah. My, my okay. mom has. Did it. you have it? When, yes. When have once it? I got through Orioles games, I canceled great. it. I'll get it again. Great uh, movie. Flora and Son. Oh, okay. Was you heard of it? No, week? I don't know anything about and it. And the star of it is a 30-year-old uh, Irish actress. She's the daughter of Bono. But really? Eve, Eve Hewson. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's a fabulous movie. All right. Yeah, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in it, right? And yeah. He like gives gu- guitar cool. lessons over a Zoom. Yeah. Jordan Hewson. <laughs> yeah. Or Eve Hewson. Eve Hewson yeah. is her name. Okay. All right. I can give it a chance. I'm interested. New show on Apple TV Plus this week. Brie Larson is in Lessons in Chemistry, um, and it's based on a I can't I don't think it was a true story. Um, but she's a woman in the 50s, and she's like a really smart scientist, and they end up giving her a cooking show. Okay. Because like she uses chemistry with cooking. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Yes, it is Brie Larson, so it it, it looks it looks Love very good. Brie Larson. I'm, it's Love. such a tough thing for me with Brie Larson because like. Captain you Marvel. Dated her and yeah, she right. Broke it was an awkward thing. Plus, I can never tell her apart from Brie Olson, the porn star, right? Like, which one is which? I never you know. Can't. No, it's not the case. How do you know what a porn star? I believe looks she like. was married to Charlie Sheen at one point. That's the only reason why <laughs> I'm familiar with that. No, it's tough. How long Larson. did that marriage last? Uh, I'm gonna guess not very long. About a week. Yeah. Um, the thing with Brie Larson is like I, I thought Captain Marvel was fine. Right. A lot of people hated it. The biggest problem was how stiff Brie Larson was. And it was such a fine yeah. line between, but that's what someone who went through what 
her character went through should seem like versus right but this is still a superhero movie and you want the people involved to feel like they're emoting a little bit more so it's just been a complicated thing for me with Brie Larson because like they brought her in to be like literally one of the top dogs within this franchise and it was sort of a when she arrived so it's been tough Um, like I'm not not Marvel so it's true and I like Brie Larson other than Marvel so I'd be willing to give it a shot good news for Giants fans oh Daniel Jones is out versus the Bills <laughs> with neck injury. So they have a chance now. Yeah. Right. I don't even know who is their backup. Uh, is it Tyrod? Is it Tyrod? Yeah, I yeah, love Tyrod. Ty on Sunday That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, on Peacock, uh, since you know it's Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, John Carpenter's Suburban Screams. It's just a you know just a horror. If you're really into horror stuff, uh, they're they're bringing to life uh, some true stories told by the survivors. Uh, and sure. It looks it looks it looks scary and chilling. Sure. There's a story about a rabbit man running around with a with a hatchet, which is apparently a true story. And like Great. That sounds SNL. like a pleasant way to spend the night. Oh yeah, Some SNL is it, back. Yeah. SNL is back. Uh, Pete Davidson is yeah. hosting with Ice Spice. So am I right? Uh, Taylor Swift was at the game she last was at the night. Game last night. They 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 kept it in their pants for the most part, the Amazon broadcast. <laughs> they did not just turn it into a full-on look at Taylor Swift on every play. How many more night games? Because she doesn't do afternoon That's a good point. Games. She didn't show up in Minnesota for the afternoon right. game. Well, yeah. but the first game was an afternoon was it, game. It was a 4 o'clock game. Yeah, it so was maybe. a 4 o'clock game. Yeah, yeah. the first one yeah, was. I've seen her on all the night games. Yeah, she How many more night game. games are they on this Well, they're pretty probably popular. Lots. They probably yeah. have a few. Yeah. Uh, Rick and Morty season seven on I Sunday night. That was still a thing. Well, yeah, Adult Swim at eleven on Sunday night. All right, anything else? We've gone pretty deep here, and it's twelve thirty. We still have to that talk to Noah Eagle. Yeah, that's right. We have Noah Eagle. All right. Uh, Tubular was also brought to you today by the Baltimore County Police Department. Don't forget Saturday, October twenty eighth, for the hiring and community event at the Public Safety Building, seven hundred East Jopper Road. If you're thinking about a career in the Baltimore County Police Department, you can go through the whole process: written test, agility test. There is still an agility. still an agility test, Stan. But we can start training whenever you're ready, um, as well as the application process. And if you're not thinking about it, you just want a safe, fun environment for your kids to get their costumes on and go get some candy. It is also a community trunk or treat. So we'll see you on October 28th at the Public Safety Building with the Baltimore County Police Department. You going to be on with the boys tomorrow morning? I'll be on with the boys tomorrow. More postmortems. Bat, bat around back to normal time, 10 to noon tomorrow morning, and Stan will join them. Then he'll be in action again Monday afternoon at Stan the Fan on Twitter as well. Thanks today to John Smoltz. Thanks to Bo Smolka. And as well, thanks to Noah Eagle, who we're about to hear from. We'll get them all up in the greatest hits section of the. Oh my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Check game day on Sunday after the Ravens game. Then we'll be back on Monday. Is Ben Verlander joining us on Monday? Uh, yes, Ben Verlander. Like we'll ben be Verlander, us. he'll join us on Monday. Well, you didn't want to talk to me. Oh, he uh, he had said said some things. <laughs> uh, Tariko got to him. Is really what happened there. Tariko said, "What Smoltz, you know, said." Yeah. Smoltz actually hates Tariko. So Smoltz when he found like, out about it, yeah. he was like, "Now I want to be on the show." Smoltz was like, eh, "I don't know." And I was like, "Stan Charles will be there." And he, he said, said, "Oh, oh yeah, right. Okay. That's my guy. And we'll do that." Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, Guilford Hall Brewery, Live Casino and Hotel, the Maryland Five Star, A.J. Michaels, the Baltimore County Police Department, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Hartford County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go Ravens. Go Maryland. Go Navy. Duke sucks. We wrap up today's show. The preview of Maryland, Illinois with Noah Eagle from NBC.
We're joined now here on GCR by someone who's, of course, you know the relationship that we've had with Ian over the years. He's been one of our favorites. This is our first opportunity to uh, meet and get to know his son, and you're going to get to know him. On Saturday, it's the second time this season, I believe, that he has had Maryland as they get ready to take on Illinois. 3.30 on NBC and Peacock alongside Todd Blackledge. He is Mr. Noah Eagle, and he is with us here on GCR. Noah, it's Glenn. It's great to meet you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. No, Glenn, I appreciate you having me. So, so what you're telling me is this is also my first chance to just completely tarnish my dad's please, reputation. With please, please. You. you know what's funny? He's the nicest human being I've ever come across. It, 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 it's insane. <laughs> He's, you can, uh, he has taken time on Thanksgiving to call in on my shows over the years. Like, he's the nicest human being I've ever come across. So if you have anything that, like, I, I can needle him with next time he does a Ravens game this season, please share it with me because most of our conversations end up going like this. You're Ian Eagle, and I'm not. I'm really glad that you like me. Like, that's normally <laughs> the way that it goes. Yeah, I look, I think people, the, the low-hanging fruit with him, and, and ironic that I use that word. Ah, yeah, height, the yeah. the food stuff, right? Okay. Yeah, everyone likes to attack the food stuff. But I, I really, I, I'm the least picky eater in the family, but that's not really a high bar clear. So I can't, I can't just sit here and be like, ah, <laughs> all right, I wait eat a second, all though. this Hang on. stuff. If, and if, then, yeah. if you guys go out for dinner, because I remember you, I don't, did you get a chance to go out for dinner? Because he was doing a Ravens game around the same time he did a Maryland game, right? Yeah, last year. Okay, did you get a chance to go out for dinner? And if you do, when you do go out for dinner, honest to God, what does he order? So we didn't go to dinner then, but okay. I have had dinner at some point in my life. Yeah, today, maybe a couple, right? Nice. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when we do, I would say he's – I don't want to say he's overly basic, but I don't not want to say that. But you're not saying like – okay, but hang on a second. You're really going to ruin this for me. You're not going to tell me like he's ordering chicken fingers, correct? I mean that happens. Oh no! Yeah, he, oh, he's no. he's a fan. Oh. He he likes fingers of the chicken variety. No, how sure. do you still go to dinner with him? Like I know he's your dad, and I know he's an American uh, icon, but like for God's sakes, how do you how do you see yourself out that way? Guy, uh, you know what? Sometimes you just gotta fake it till you make it. <laughs> I think that's what I've learned in life. I can't believe it. I didn't realize it was that bad. I really didn't. No, listen. He he'll he'll branch out. You know, every now and then he'll oh. get. A burger? Oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, man. You're ruining like a hero for me right now. <laughs> oh, God. All right, but so you're you're picky, but you're not that. Like, will you have, when you come to Maryland, do you have any seafood at all? If it's presented, I will have it. Yes. Okay. That, right. I think that's kind of my mentality in okay. life is if it's presented to me, I will at minimum try it. All right. Uh, but, yes. If there's a crab cake present, I will consume it. I will, we are good now. We are good. Everything is fine as long as that's. <laughs> it's the people that say, nah, I don't do any of that. And I'm like, oh, man, I, I, we have nothing in common. This is going to have to end here because it is in our DNA. Um, no, this is an interesting time for Maryland, right? Because I, I think everybody would ask, you know, how do they respond to that a week ago? And they were in such good shape early on against Ohio State. They had a 10 nothing lead. They had the ball. And then it kind of came apart at the seams. And I, I feel like there is still a lot to like about this Maryland team and that you can read into some of what they did in order to be competitive and think that they'll have a chance to be competitive again. They are a team that has made a lot of critical mistakes this year. 
What do you make of how they respond to what happened a week ago? Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of the main points. I would say the best thing for them is that although he had been polarizing certainly last week and at points throughout the season and, and definitely his career, Talia Tungavailoa is still the most experienced quarterback in the Big Ten, and he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten. And when you've got a guy like that leading you who's been through the ups and downs of full seasons and an entire career, especially in the modern day with all these guys who realistically don't stay to the level that Talia has, I think that's already an upper hand in terms of being able to bounce back from a tough loss. But the, the point that I think you made that's 100% accurate is, and, and I'm assuming this is what Mike Loxley is probably telling his team and probably told them when they got back and probably told them this entire week leading up to this game with Illinois, you change maybe four plays mm-hmm. in that game, and it's completely different. I mean, certainly in the first half, and I know Leo was the first to admit his own mistakes, but the pick six completely flips the game, and you're up 10 nothing with the ball, if you drive down and get more points, you're putting a lot of pressure on a team that has already had to face their own internal and external pressures throughout the season. And then, of course, the, the big mistake that everybody saw was the end of the first half. The second quarter, not getting points on that final drive, deep in Ohio State territory, going into the half tied. You know, you, you feel like you probably could have been up at least 10 more, if not more than that. So those are disappointing mistakes because they're, they're limitable. You know, they're, they're avoidable. And I think that Talia being as experienced as he is and more than anything as detailed as he is. You know, when we did that Maryland game week two, we talked to him, got a sense of what his note-taking and his attention to detail looked like. I mean, it's copious. It's a different level. So just the fact that they've got a guy like that as a leader and they've got a coach in Michael Oxley who really can inspire with the best of them. And I think his message, like I said, is, Look, guys, we were right there. We got two more cracks at two big boys in the Big Ten East. But let's just make sure that we lock in and, and limit those mistakes moving forward. Noah Eagle is with us. Can he and Ty Blackledge on the call on uh, Saturday, tomorrow on NBC for Maryland, Illinois at 3.30? No, I feel like the, the infuriating part is like you don't have that margin for error against these top teams in the Big Ten, and yet these – you pointed out the game he did earlier where they fall behind early in the game, right? And that they've just been so imperfect this season. And it feels like that right now, you could make an argument that Maryland talent wise is as close as they could possibly be to those top tens teams in the big 10, right? They're not there, but they're as close as you can get being a Maryland type of program. It's just really frustrating for it to be these self-inflicted wounds. That thing that happened at the end of the first half it happened at the end of the first half the week before that, too, where they failed to get points. Like, it's just almost mind-numbing that these are the things that continue to happen for this team. Yeah, it is. And I'd say that it's frustrating. I would get that from the fans' perspective. I get that from the team's perspective. And I think that we felt that from the team and its coaching staff at points throughout the season and certainly after last week's game, just knowing that the opportunity felt like it slipped away. And a, and a key opportunity to get a – a program-defining win. And that's really what this season's been about. It's taking that next step. And to your point, this is as close in terms of the talent gap as Maryland's been in a long time to the Ohio State, to the Maryland, to the uh, Michigans, to the Penn States. And when you're close like that, you've got to pounce because that doesn't always happen. You're not going to be recruiting at their same level. You're not going to get transfers at their same level. But Mike Loxley is great in both those departments. And we've seen how he's built a team now five years into his tenure 
They've got the experience at the quarterback position. They've got up-and-coming defensive players along with some studs that have returned that are more veteran presences. So they've got all the pieces. It's just about, to your point, limiting mistakes, which I, I will say, obviously it's disappointing that it had to happen again at Ohio State to almost realize it. But a lot of times with these teams and a lot of times with these seasons, there's a, there's a turning point or a defining moment. You know, we did Michigan last week. And two years ago, Michigan was coming off that COVID season where it was a low point. I mean, they, they went two and four in the shortened season. Jim Harbaugh, it was the hot seat of all hot seats. You know, it was the hottest seat. It was like a hot pocket that you had to drop from your hand <laughs> that you couldn't hold or you would immediately burn yourself. And yet somehow you know, it's still cold that, on the inside. It makes no sense. Right, yeah, yeah no, right. no. It makes, yeah. Right, right. The dichotomy of temperatures yes. never quite checks out. But people wanted his head on the stick. And, you know, what, what we talked to the players about was there was a defining moment in the following season in 2021 when after they lost to Michigan State, they held a players-only meeting and basically said, we won't let this define us moving forward. And since then, all they've done is win football games, go to -to back-to-back college football playoffs, and this year, number two in the country and firmly in position to compete for an NCAA championship. And and look, I'm not saying that Maryland's going to do that right away. I'm not saying they're going to college football playoffs. But what I'm saying is they can use this as a defining moment of their season. And if they can find a way now to – Really take the look and, and analyze what they've done so far this season. All those mistakes that you mentioned, they've got two more cracks. I think that's, you know, a lot of people look at the Big Ten East as a, as a curse, but you can also look at it as a blessing because that means you've got three legitimate opportunities to be that David to the Goliath. And if they can find a way, even for just one of those two games against Penn State or against Michigan, to dethrone one of those giants, in the conference, that's a massive, massive deal. It feels like it would. No, it's a great point, and it feels like that's the biggest thing right now. This to you know, we know there's been progress. We know that they're in a better place as a program than clearly they were when it was upheaval and in the aftermath of the Jordan McNair tragedy. It was. It just was awful. We know that the program is on the right trajectory, but it seems like the biggest thing is: can you go from being competitive with? Because they've been competitive now with Ohio State a few times, and they were competitive with Michigan a year ago. Can you finally close that gap and at least win one of these games? And what that would do for this program and this fan base to figure out a way to just win one, not win the Big Ten, not go to the Rose Bowl or the playoff, to win one of these games in a solid season would be, I think, program-changing for Mike Loxley and everybody at Maryland. Yeah, no doubt. And the good news is that both those matchups are at home. You know, to go to Columbus and do it would have been icing on top. And the fact that it was a three-point game in the fourth quarter, you know, Mike Loxley had talked about their goal was to get it to the fourth quarter and see where they're at. And he just didn't like where they were at down the stretch. And, you know, part of that is wear and tear against a great team. I think that's what makes Michigan so good is how deep they are. And so that's a challenge moving forward. But Penn State has an inexperienced quarterback. You're getting them on your own home field in front of your own fans, like to me, that's the key is can you get high level support? Can you fill CQ stadium? Can you get that feel of this is a big game. Let's go out and win it for our program, for our city, for our community, all of that stuff. And I think you you don't need to give these guys the extra motivation, but having that right by your side is a big, it's a big deal to not have to go to Beaver stadium, to not have to go to Ann Arbor, 
that's a difference maker. And so the fact that you get both of them at home is already a boost. And now you've got the bad taste in your mouth, recognizing that you maybe let one slip away. So I'm excited. I'm excited for this team because I really do think that coach Loxley is excellent. I think he's a great motivator, a great recruiter. I think that he's got two outstanding coordinators and Josh Gaddis has a chance to really stick it to the rest of the country, showing that he's been at the top of his game for quite some time. And so to have him involved and maybe being the ingredient to put them over the top could be interesting, but as we talked about, all the pieces are there. So it just comes down to execution against these top teams. All right. On the flip side, Noah, I, how do we explain Illinois? I mean, this was an eight-win team a year ago that I think a lot of people below, believed was on the upswing. And, I mean, even the wins they have this year have been close against bad teams or lower-level teams. Like, I, what is going on with Illinois, and is there any risk that this team is, you know, on actually better than what the results have been and if Maryland is still a little bit down, this could end up being the week where they remind everybody that they still have the opportunity to turn their season around. Yeah, I mean, that's always the biggest key. You know, I remember when I was at Syracuse, my senior year, the team was really good. And they won 10 games. They ended up winning 10 games. But the big one was they went to Clemson and had a chance to beat the eventual national champions. Trevor Lawrence gets knocked out of the game right. and Syracuse has him on the ropes. And then Chase Price, the third string quarterback comes in and leads the game winning drive. And you go, wait, what just happened? Well, Syracuse didn't recover in time. And the following week they lose to a pit team that they were better than that year. They were just playing better. And I'm not saying Pitt was bad, but Syracuse was better. Just look at what they did all year. Should have won the game. And see so the boomerang loss is always a legitimate concern. You know, Illinois, it's been interesting to watch this year. They've had their struggles in a variety of, of areas and categories. Defensively, they still have a lot of studs, especially up front. I mean, Kirzon Newton is probably going to be a first-round pick. He's monstrous, six foot two, about 300 pounds, but athletic, can move incredibly well, just smart football player, high football IQ. And on the other side, you've got Keith Randolph, who last year was an all-Big Ten performer himself. So you've got two big boys up front that are still going to wreak havoc in the backfield if you can't block them. So it's going to be a big day for Delmar Glaze at that left tackle spot. He's got to be on his P's and Q's. He's got to be prepared to see NFL-level talent. Uh, but to answer your question, you lost a lot of that. You lost a lot of that top-end talent they had last year. You know, in the secondary in particular, you had three guys drafted in the first three rounds. And when you lose talent like that, it's hard to replenish at a, a program like Illinois. If it's a program like Michigan, if it's a program like Ohio State or Penn State, you've got that depth. And if you don't have, you can go and find someone else's starters and have them transfer in in the NIL era and the transfer portal era. That's easier than it's ever been for the top-end programs. But we just talked about this with P.J. Fleck last week from Minnesota, and he said that there's a reason that all these other teams are getting younger and younger each year. and You have to develop the talent is because they don't have that same luxury. They don't have the same resources. I'd say Illinois is probably similar. They also lost their starting quarterback, Tommy DeVito, from a year ago. He graduated, eventually signed in the offseason with, uh, with the New York Giants. So you're, you're talking about a guy who's a fringe NFL quarterback, and now you've got Luke Altmaier who's come in from Ole Miss, and he's just struggled. He just hasn't taken care of the football they do have a legitimate number one receiver, and that would be my concern for Maryland. We've got to see if, if Tarheeb still is going to be able to go, because if he can, that changes things. If he can't, we saw what Marvin Harrison Jr. did last week against some of those fill-ins. But Isaiah Williams, the wide receiver for Illinois, a former quarterback, 
who actually started at QB a couple of years ago for the Illini, he's dangerous. So that's the name to look out for. All right. Noah Eagle, uh, man who will have a crab cake, who will enjoy you bring up like, you know, some oysters or something to the booth on Saturday. He'll uh, he'll actually enjoy those, and then I got to deal with that the next time I talk to your dad because that really bothers the heck out of me. And I, I saw. Uh, <laughs> no, listen, listen. I need to. Well, I need to say. I think he would do crab cakes. I do. All right. I do think he would do crab cakes. I've I actually never you know addressed this topic with him, so it's it, this is actually good fodder for me. I, I was. It's you know we talked two weeks ago before he did the first. He did back to back. It was really nice for us here in Baltimore. We got back to back weeks of uh, your dad. Um, but I, I need to deal with this to figure out what the actual answers are, and I might have to take him out and, and see if maybe we can get him to expand that in any way. Ta- attack it head on. That's always my advice. Attack it head on. Don't beat around the bush with him. Uh, my sister, I'll tell you this story. You can, yeah. you can even bring it up to him. My sister, is uh, she loves fruit. She's a huge fan of fruit of all kind. And when she was young, real young, she wanted my dad to try a strawberry for the first time in his life. We, so she made a deal with him. She made a deal with him that when he turned 40, he had to try a strawberry. And so he agrees to it because it's a little child. He's like, no way she's going to remember three years from now that I have to try a strawberry. So he handshake, whatever. On his 40th birthday, I mean, you're already, you're turning 40. I don't think you're thrilled. And he's walking down the stairs. He takes one final step to get to the kitchen level. And my sister's waiting at the bottom of the stairs with a strawberry on a plate saying, happy birthday, here's your strawberry. She did not forget. Not only did she not forget, it was instantaneous upon exiting the staircase. And he won't admit it, but he enjoyed it. Of course he did, because strawberries are delicious. No, this is actually very, this is very difficult for me right now, because there's a lot of things I want to say, <laughs> but I just have such reverence for the man that I can't do it. I can't say all the things that I want to say. I can't eat a strawberry. What is going on here? My eight-year-old won't eat strawberries. This is ridiculous. Noah Eagle, this is a lot of fun, man. Uh, Noah Eagle 15 on Twitter is how people can follow you. Of course, tomorrow, 3.30 on NBC for Maryland, Illinois, and looking forward to hoop season. I saw this week. Uh, you're going to be part of that as well, and we're excited about that around these parts because we're thinking there could be big things ahead for Maryland there. Always appreciate it. Thank you, man. Appreciate you doing this. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it.